0: Welcome to the Sherdog Radio Network preview for UFC on ABC3, Ortega versus Rodriguez, also called UFC Long Island. I'm your host, Ben Duffy of SureDog.com. With me as usual is Keith Schillen, the executive producer of the Sherdog Radio Network. Keith, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good, brother. How are you doing,
0: man? I'm doing really well. Uh, I mean, we got a 14 fight card here that you mentioned to me before we started recording. This is pretty strong. I, I, I normally think that we're two guys that don't pretend every single fight night card is amazing. There are a bunch of them that, you know, frankly, if I didn't watch them for work, I'd probably give them a miss and just kind of check the news the next day and see which fights were worth going back to watch. This isn't one of them. This one's got pretty good stuff (laughs) top to bottom.
1: Yeah. Uh, It stands out to me, like, in the rankings, there's not too much going on, but the excitement factor, like, you have so many exciting fighters. Like, uh, the, the main event, you have... Brian Ortega and Yaya Rodriguez. Is there two more exciting fighters in the division than those two guys?
0: Really? There aren't? And that's not even guaranteed fight of the night. Like, no. there are three other fights on the main card that could eas- easily snap it up if you're thinking about the same ones as me. I mean, Shane Burgos versus Charles Jordan, Matt Snell <laughs> versus Sumudarji, yeah. and Jingliang Lee Li versus Muslim Salakov could all be just absolutely dynamite.
1: Yeah, and and it just so equally balanced the card, like how how equally matched some of these ones are. Uh, some I I did peek at some of the lines. That, I know we don't do that, but I did peek, and I thought some of the lines were way off. I thought some of the fights that that looks like there's a big favorite. I think the big favorite shouldn't be that that big of a favorite. I think it should be pretty close. So uh, overall, really really
0: good fun card. A- absolutely. Uh, unless you've got any other thoughts in general about this one, let's just dive right in. We head to the strawweight division for a matchup between a uh, veteran inaugural strawweight Jessica Penne and the UFC's newest strawweight though she's uh, hardly a hardly an unknown quantity in Emily Dakota. Penne, the 39-year-old uh, Californian is 14 and 5 overall. She is 3 and 3 since joining the UFC as a former Invicta Atomweight champ. And as a veteran of the 20th season of The Ultimate Fighter, the one which, once again, did bring us Rose Nami Yunus, Carla Esparza, that entire first class of uh, 115-pound women. She is back from a pretty lengthy absence. You know, she left the UFC on a long losing streak, came back after four years away, and has put together back-to-back wins over Lupi Godinez and Carolina Kovalkiewicz. Both of those were last year. Uh, the most recent of those, her tapping out Kovalkiewicz was in August. So it has been almost a year since she's fought. She is now 39 and she is going to welcome to the UFC, uh, Dakota, which, well, let's, let's get the, just the facts and figures out of the way first. 28 uh, year old Oklahoman is 11 and six overall. Uh, she is the current reigning now vacating Invicta strawweight champ. She is a former uh, Bellator flyweight title challenger. She's the one that fought Alima Leigh McFarlane for the inaugural uh, Bellator flyweight crown and got tapped out late. But nonetheless, she's been around. She has, you know, 17 total fights and I think a dozen of them are in either Invicta or Bellator. So again, she's not your average prospect just popping into the UFC out of nowhere. And she is the slight favorite here. Minus 135, Penna plus 115 as the underdog. Emily DeCody is definitely the tale of two fighters because at 125, she really was just another woman in the division in Bellator. She had her good fights and and her her bad fights. You know, she fought Christina Williams, fought I think Alejandra Lara. She fought the the whole kind of pool. Of uh, contenders there underneath McFarlane. She fought McFarlane twice, definitely came up short both times. Then she dropped a straw weight and she is an entirely different fighter now. And the main difference is that she has found power on the feet that she simply didn't display at 125. Uh, you know, it's just, it's transformed her. Uh, she busted up Danielle Taylor with uh, a head kick that was one of the best knockouts of last year. She uh, defended against Alicia's Zapatella and just absolutely thrashed the former Adam weight champ, just one of the worst beatings of this year so far. I'm interested to see what she does in the UFC. Again, she's not someone I ever would have figured to be excited about her UFC debut at strawweight of all things, when she was just kind of treading water over in Bellator. But I like this matchup with Penne to start with because uh, Jessica Penne, she's well-rounded, always been a bit of an overachiever. She was never a spectacular athlete, even when she was 30, you know, let alone 37, 38. She's now 39. She's a, she's a good nullifier. The, the, you know, Penny, like her original background was striking. She calls herself a kickboxer, but she has way more submissions than, uh, than knockouts. And she's a kind of a grindy fighter. Mm-hmm. If, uh, Ducote can kind of keep Penne off of her and uncork another one of these Uh, highlight reel knockouts or bloody stoppages that she's had in her last couple of fights. Uh, It's game on. Strawweight finally is ready for some new blood. The kind of gang of five that's hung out at the top there for a while, I think they're finally starting to burn through all the possible matchups with each other. And your Marina Rodriguez's and everyone that have been waiting at the door, your Amanda Lemos that we'll talk about later tonight, uh, they're kind of ready to get their shots within the next year or so. And Dakota could be right there with them. For this one, I do like her to win. Uh, you know, Penny's it's been a great story since she's been back. I figured she was retired when she lost her third, fourth fight in a row back in 2019. She's looked great since she's come back, but, or sorry, 2017, uh, it was like four years. Yeah, she years was out now. for a long time. Yeah, she was out for four years, came back at age 38, and has looked good ever since. But you can't feel good about what would have happened to her in the year since her last fight, as she's now pushing 40. Uh, I think this is Dakota's time younger, faster, bigger, and, uh, again, newly found power and kind of a nasty attitude on the feet. Gimli, give, give me Emily Dakota by a second round TKO.
1: Yeah. Um, I agree on a lot of things you're saying about, uh, both, both fighters. I really liked how you described, uh, Jessica Penney as a nullifier because, yeah, when you watch her fight, there's nothing that really jumps out about Jessica Penny, but then she finds ways to win. I mean, she's an aggressive fighter. Uh, she does best when she's the one leading the dance, marching down her foe. She doesn't really like being pressured back uh, on her back foot, uh, something like you want to get J J-Check when she fought for the title, like smasher doing that. Again, a much different time than it was then. Uh, she doesn't really avoid shots too well. She keeps her head on the center line. Uh, she does throw uh, good straight shots down the pipe, which I like. She has a long jab, uh, but she's a bit of a point fighter. She lacks power, kind of arm punches. Uh, she uses her length well. I mean, she's a big fighter for the weight class, uh, tall. She has uh, tons of kicks. She will throw some naked leg kicks, and she'll keep her chin high in the air. Like, she's going to get really hurt doing that. Uh, but and, and her long legs are also targets, like big targets to get kicked out. Uh, but you mentioned like nullifying. She nullifies in the clinch. She gets in the clinch. She uses her height advantage. She looks for body locks inside. You mentioned that she talks about herself as a kickboxer. She's, I, I disagree. I think she's much more of a grappler. Uh, she'll she'll catch a kick or just bull rush her opponent to the canvas. She will shoot for takedowns, but I wouldn't say she's a strong technical wrestler. Uh, but she has a BJJ black belt. She, ha- she has a submission threat. She has eight submissions on her record. Dakota, it's funny. I think you said she's, what, 27 or 28? 28. 20- yeah, it, it's funny because she's much younger than you think because she seems like she's been around so long. I was thinking she's gonna be like 32 or something mm-hmm. uh, which is which is obviously something you I, I like hearing that she's much younger than that. Uh, on the feet, high output. She's someone who builds over the fight. like she, her her output increases as the run goes on. Very boxing style. She stays in her opponent's face, cuts off the cage really well. Uh, which is surprising because she's she's a little flat-footed, and she's not a great athlete, uh, but she does cut off the cage really well. She likes to step in the pocket and unload big power shots. Uh, everything's tight inside strikes, uh, short shots. Her counter-striking is really good. Her like, her best punch is her counter right hand. Uh, she keeps her chin tucked. Uh, she avoids shots with good movement, a lot of L-stepping. Uh, she doesn't like being pressured. Um I, I, I know I throw it out there a lot. I don't know if anybody really likes being pressured, but uh, she has good calf kicks. Uh, she does throw some naked leg kicks, which is a little concerning. Uh, she is a little heavy on her front foot. Uh, so if she doesn't check leg kicks, they, they are big targets, but she's also, I mean, she's from Oklahoma. That's like a Mecca of, of wrestling and she has a wrestling background, nice entries, good reactionary double. Uh, she also likes, like, single legs running the pipe. She has four submission wins. A good example of her wrestling, uh, a fight that you didn't mention when you were going through, like, the resume that Daniel Taylor, Alicia Zapatella, is uh, Gianna Lima, which was a really good win that mm-hmm. she had. Uh, so I'm with you, man. I'm going with Dakota, du- du- uh, Dakota to win her debut. Uh, Penny is is more tough than she is technically skilled. So she has that God-given length where I she can kind of be tough to kind of learn and pick up. But I see Dakota staying in her face, countering her shots, maybe landing a takedown too, and adding a new face to the division. Give me Dakota by decision.
0: There you go. Two picks for Emily Dakota to have a successful UFC debut and probably for the interest to turn into a ah, you know full-fledged little mini bit of hype here. Next up at UFC Long Island, we have a welterweight matchup between Phil Rowe and Abubakar Nurmagomedov. Rowe, the 31 year old New Yorker by way of Florida, who goes by the Fresh Prince, is 9 and 3 overall. He is 2 and 1 since joining the UFC out of the third season of Dana White's contender series. He lost his debut to Gabriel Green, which yeah, turns out Gabriel Green's a, a Quite a prospect in his own regard. He's come back from that with back-to-back uh, TKO wins over Orion Kosi and Jason Witt. Uh, the most recent of those, the Witt fight was back in February at UFC fight night Hermanson versus Strickland. He'll try to make two straight into three straight against uh, Nurmagomedov. This one really is a cousin of uh, of Khabib. 32-year-old Dagestani is 16-3-1 overall. He is just one and one since joining the UFC uh, out of the wake of the first season of Professional Fighters League. He uh, lost his debut to David Zavada back in 2019, had a couple years off for reasons that I will mention in a few minutes, came back last March at UFC 260 and won a unanimous decision over Jared Gooden, and has once again been out uh, since then. So even though his last appearance in PFL was three and a half, almost four years ago. He has fought just twice since then. This will be the third time. Uh, nonetheless, despite all the shelf time, he is a slight favorite here. He's around minus 145 right now, row plus 120. Keith, I'm going to throw this to you for your pick first, but I'm going to throw this out there first. If When he came out of uh, Professional Fighters League at the end of 2018, I was on board. Abubakar and Magomedov possible future champ in this division. He was obviously the best guy in PFL's 170 uh division. Maybe him and Magomed Magomedkarimov, you know, but hurt his hurt his hand in the playoffs and so, you know, even though he was on his way to the semifinals had to drop out. But since then, I mean, he had a long time on the shelf for his part in the uh UFC 229 brawl. You know, he was he was one of the first two guys in the cage uh Duking it out with Conor McGregor as Khabib jumped over the fence, went and chased Dylan Danis. Like he had a central role, he had a long suspension because of that. Came back for one fight, lost, and then was back on the shelf again for uh, over a year with injuries. I mean, your your hype for him might not have been as high as mine was four years ago, but. Whatever you thought it was, do you think there's anything left there now? I mean, he's he's 32, it's welterweight.
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, he's 32. So this is a really good fight. Like we said that up there. Like I I like both guys. I think I think both guys are, are pretty good additions. Uh back to like the old Connor McGregor thing. I just want to say this. Uh that was a really bitch move. I'm sorry. Like Connor said some things he shouldn't have said, and and but to jump over a cage and, and attack, and I know uh Tukugov was the one who attacked him from behind, but to attack a guy who's not throwing punches at anybody who just fought twenty something minutes against the pound for pound best fighter in the world, arguably the most dominant fighter in the history of the sport. The jump over and attack a guy who just fought. Like that was such a bitch move. And and I am you know me, I like the Dagestanis. I think that the, the, yeah. those are real gangsters.
0: Like those are yeah. I mean, I guess that's what it is. Like we say we're gonna attack yeah. you, we're gonna do it. So yeah, you gotta it, at least respect it. that. You like the Dagestani's, and you generally like the drama. You like the shit talk. Oh, I love the but, shit talk. But yeah, but when, oh, no, no, when no, it over, that. oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm not saying it wasn't fun.
1: Like, <laughs> like don't get me wrong. I'm just saying it's a bitch move. Like, yeah, I, on the flip side, like, I want, I want those guys having my back too. Like, like yeah. those are my, like, I want,
0: the, I want those kind of friends. You know? Yeah. And, um, I mean, he and so, Takuga both did what, like, 18 month suspensions for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, so. Those are the kind
1: of friends, I want. That, that are willing to jump over. And, and so if, I'm, if I get, if I get into it, like the softball field, <laughs> you know, I, I, who's got my back, who's got to take off somebody <laughs> for me. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if I was pretty picking him to be a champion, but I mean, anytime you have the last name, Namaga Madoff, you know, it's, it's going to carry so much weight and there's so much promise, uh, the, the Dagestanians right now, that team is so blazing hot. Uh, he's a southpaw who I would say he's actually a pretty underrated striker. Uh, got some power in his hand. He's got a power jab. Uh, I I did a lot of film study of him in the past, and one of the fights that I really focused on was the um, – uh, uh, I might butcher the guy's name, uh, Boan Velikovic, did I? I don't know if I said William that. Right. Be- yeah, yeah, uh, that was a fight that I watched a lot of. Um, what I don't like, he's kept trying to throw the rear uppercut, uh, like with no setup, which I, I really don't like. But what he wants to do, even though it's, he's got some power in his hands, he wants to get the fight to the ground. He's a very good wrestler, obviously. Uh, he he will shoot and miss shots and have no panic at all because he's just trying to close a distance. Uh, you know he has to make it this far. If he makes it this far, that's fine. He shoots the next one, next one. Uh, he eventually gets it there. What I don't like is that he'll shoot pretty far without any setups. And he actually was taken down a little bit in the PFL against very low-level guys. Um, but he's got a, obviously he's got a really good get-up game. He doesn't mind getting taken down because he kind of creates a scramble. But he was uh, Zahada, Zawada did catch him in a submission. Two of his three losses are subs, and. He was pretty gassed against the Velikovic in that fight, like halfway through the fight. I mean, he um, dug deep, but he was sucking some air in that fight. And I think he's got a tough test. Uh, Phil Rowe is, uh, I wasn't super high on him coming in, but he looks better and better each fight. Now he's beaten some low level UFC talent, but he's hes a massive uh, welterweight, huge for the weight class. He's long at I mean, he's got an 80 inch reach, he's well rounded. He's a good athlete. He uses movement really well. Uh, he he will back straight up to avoid shots, which I don't like. But everything else is pretty technical on the feet. He, he, he's good at keeping his range, keeping his opponents to the end of his punches. He sits uh, on his punches, draws some power. He has tight shots down the pipe. Though, uh, one thing I don't like, he can drop his hands a little bit when he returns. Uh, but I love that he rips the body. I mean, he brutalized uh, Kosi with body shots. Underrated power. He has... I think five knockouts in on his record. Mm-hmm. He knocked out Jason Witt in his last fight. He doesn't kick enough, but when he does, they're really powerful. I don't know if he wants to throw kicks at a make it easier to get taken down, uh, but it's just something he has. Very strong plum clinch. He gets inside due to his size. He likes knees. He's not much of an offensive wrestler, but he can rap a little bit. This guy's been competing in a lot of BJJ competitions um, he has a submission threat. Guillotine is his favorite sub, which is something he can maybe catch on the coming in. Uh, he'll also pull guard. Like, that's how that's how confident he is in, in his ground game. Uh, he'll look for subs off his back instead of scrambling to his feet, which I don't like, uh, and I really hate that against a strong uh, grappler like the But if he ends up top, he has some pretty good ground and pound. So um, It's funny that you said that, out of all the Namaga Namagamadoffs, I actually think Abubakar might be the worst one of the Madoffs. Now again, like <laughs> that'd be that'd be like saying, um, um, I don't know, um, of the starting five of the dream team, uh, Charles Barkley was the worst one or something. <laughs> like you know, I <laughs> mean, you know, like the, the, the bar is extremely high. Yeah. Uh, If he turns this into a wrestling match, which is most likely is his path to victory, uh, he could easily win with top control. However, I'm not as pressed on him as you are. Uh, I actually think Roe's going to beat him up a little bit on the outside. Uh, He will get taken down, but I think Roe will stay busy enough on the bottom to maybe get some openings, get back to his feet, uh, maybe stall Bubakar out. And then when he's on his feet, I think he can land some big shots. Uh, I think Ibukov might, might uh, gas out. I think Roe might make him pay. So I'm going with an upset. I'm going to say Roe, second round TKO.
0: Awesome. Then we have a little bit of dissension right away because while I think Roe is a very appropriate kind of next matchup for Nurmagomedov, like it's it's very appropriate both ways just in terms of where they are in the division, uh, I think the stylistic matchup favors Nurmagomedov. Like uh Rowe is coming off back to back knockouts of Kosy and Wit but Kosy and Wit both took him down uh and Nurmagomedov is a better wrestler than either of them like i know like both those guys are good wrestlers but they're good wrestlers by the standard of marginal uh UFC welterweights while Nurmagomedov is just a flat out good wrestler so I think the dynamic really is what you say it is like I, I expect Nurmagomedov to be able to take Roe down in the first round probably kind of easily and from there it's just a matter of is Ro staying busy from the bottom is he trying to sweep is he trying to submit is he just letting Nurmagomedov camp out on on top of him and because you know Ro. Not only did he get taken down by Kosi and Wit, he had a little trouble getting up in, in the first round, but uh, they both got tired before he did. He uh, did a lot of damage on the feet and just, you know, ended up winning anyway. I don't know if that's a, a path to victory against Nurmagomedov. Like, the one unknown here is, of course, he's been gone for a long time again with injury. Is he the same guy? You know, 32 should be right in his prime as a welterweight, but not if you're constantly busted up. I'm cautiously going with Nurmagomedov to win a decision here, but I would not be surprised at all if it turns out just like Rose' last couple of fights, where he struggles with the wrestling in the first round, turns on the jets in the second, and knocks Nurmagomedov out. But I, I am going to go, uh, and I'll I'll be the, the chicken shit guy and go with the, the slight favorite to to win a tough decision.
1: Hey, hey Ben, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to change my pick. You convinced uh- me. <laughs> did you, did you, <laughs> you stop recording? No, oh, no, like it we're oh, going straight oh. through. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. I you, honestly you convinced me. That's so funny. I mean, it, was look, like, that, it was one of these fights I was on the fence for. So uh yeah, you know what? You're right. right. He, he's gonna get he's gonna get the takedowns. Yeah, you're right.
0: <laughs> my most my most lukewarm pick of the night. <laughs> like oh really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you seem very confident. I, I no, 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 no. I'm confident in how good I thought Nurmagomedov was okay. in 2018, 2019. I was like, this is a top five welterweight on skill who still makes a lot of mistakes and okay. i i thought he was the kind of guy that might lose one of his first three or two of his first four fights in the ufc and then just turn like turn it on now i just don't know what we have left but yeah, I do no, you can, i'm do think can. i
1: I'm gonna switch my back to namago but you know what i'm gonna do no matter what happens i'm gonna take credit
0: i think you absolutely <laughs> should do that The UFC on ABC three undercard heads to the middleweight division for a matchup between Dwight Grant and Dustin Stoltzfus. Grant, the 37-year-old uh, New Yorker by way of San Diego, is 11 and 5 overall. He is 3 and 4 in the UFC since joining out of the second season of Dana White's Contender Series. He is uh, coming off of back-to-back losses, those against Francisco Trinaldo and Sergey Kondoshko. The most recent of those, the Kondojko fight, was back in April at UFC Fight Night Lemos versus Andrade, where he got knocked out in the second round. That apparently made the man who goes by, the body snatcher, decide to move up to 185 pounds. This will be his debut at middleweight in the UFC, and awaiting him there will be Stoltzfus, a guy who is very badly in need of a win himself. Uh, Saltzfus, 30-year-old Pennsylvania native by way of Germany, he basically Took his training over to Germany, fought on the German regional scene, and kind of broke back into uh, you know U.S. promotions from Germany, and has kind of a German-sounding last name. So it was kind of surprised to me the first time I heard him talk. I'm like, oh no, you're American. Anyway, 13 and four overall, 0 and three in the UFC since joining out of the fourth season of Dana White's Contender Series. Uh, he lost his debut to Kyle Dawkins. Then got choked out by Rodolfo Vieira, then got choked up by Gerald Mearshart. Both of those uh third round rear naked chokes. The most recent what of the those
1: run though. That's a like, damn, dude. What, he pissed some people off. He, like, yeah, like what was it? It was docus
0: Vieira Mearshart.
1: Vieira. <laughs> when when Mershart's the worst guy in the group, that's a pretty tough run.
0: It 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 really <laughs> is. And the
1: UFC must have thought he was German too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh Stoltzfus, as you might expect, is a slight underdog here. He's plus 145, Grant minus 170. Well, uh, Keith, Dwight Grant, clearly he saw some writing on the wall somewhere and decided his best chance of turning things around was to move up to 185. Stoltzfus, I guess, just decided to stand pat and see if things turn around on their own. Who gets it done here?
1: Yeah, so... On paper, I'd say this is probably like the least exciting fight on the card, and and I should say, as in talent, like the excitement's gonna be fun. Like Dwight Grant is well, I didn't say that because Dwight Grant. I think was it was it the Alan Joe fight that was.
0: I think that one wasn't was, great, and that's the one yeah. that Joe really really got mad about. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That that fight wasn't great, but usually he's in a pretty banging fight. And uh, as you just mentioned, was, uh yeah, he pissed somebody off because his start to the UFC was a. Uh, uh hell of a hell of a start. Uh Grant, he's he's a really large welterweight. I mean, he has this he has this Alex Oliveira type build where he has these long arms, um, big frame. He's a very unorthodox striker. He 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 throws from his hips, but he throws everything hard. He tries to end the fight with a single shot. He loads up on every shot. He has power to uh he has wild he tends to uh reach and, and overextend at times, kind of put himself in position to be countered. Uh, but he really puts everything in it. Uh, his, his When he brings everything in, he's much better when he pulls everything in. Uh, his left hand – his left hook, excuse me, is, is a good shot. His straight right is a good shot. Uh, he throws some hard body kicks. I, I don't like that he leaves his chin high in the air. He isn't a – He's not, he's not a great wrestler, but he has some pretty good control because he's so big, uh, though defensively he's been taken down seven times uh, in his last eight fights, which you—which I don't like. Now, Stouffitz, despite being 0-3 in the UFC, I think he's pretty well-rounded. Uh, he can fight out of both stances, uh, a little bit of a low-output striker, but he has some underrated power. He sits on his punches, uh, his right hand, he kind of like really whips in and has some good power. Uh, he'll throw the occasional spinning attack. Uh, throws a lot of kicks, good kicks. He's a good wrestler. Uh, he's hard to take down, and, and he has—I think he has seven submissions uh, on his career, uh, including even has a knee bar, which like the, which I like. Uh, he throws some leg locks. On. <laughs> he's got a twister, so uh, he, he has a submission threat. I've never been high on Grant, and uh, but I am worried that he could just out volume fits or just connect with one of those big. Grant big looping shots. However, I see fits getting some takedowns and working a little bit. Still is 0 3. So, like I said about Stolyurenko, Stolfitz is due. He's due to win. So give me Stolfitz my decision.
0: And you turned out to be absolutely right about Stolyarenko. Uh, you know, I missed the recap for uh UFC Vegas 58. Yeah, uh, she due She was due. And I said, "There's <laughs> no way she beats Jesse Clark unless Clark just like dives straight into an armbar in the first two minutes of the fight. Like who would do that? <laughs> yeah, almost starts she... her
1: first. Almost starts her in the first yeah. ten seconds. Yeah.
0: And as you mentioned, you know her. She she hits hard. Uh, you were dead right about that fight. I'm so glad I didn't have to go on that uh, recap and just take that medicine. <laughs>
1: You always say that. Dude. When do I ever give you shit when I get one right?
0: <laughs> well, it's you and, and the peanut gallery in oh, okay. in the, the live chat. But no, nah, I mean, I mean shit. that one time I went
1: four to zero. I gave everyone shit. But <laughs> 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 hey, I just got talked out of a pick. <laughs> so <laughs> 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 what the hell do I know?
0: Well, don't let me talk you out of this one. But I'm going to differ with you again. You know, I, I don't think Grant's ceiling is that high. I don't, I don't think he was ever really a top 15 talent at 170 or 185. But at age 37, on the kind of run he's on, I do like to move up to 185. He's not going to be undersized. I mean, he's going to be bigger than the Stoltz. Yeah, and it's going to fix some of the problems. You know, yeah, he will uh, be quicker by comparison against a 185. I don't think his, you know, his ground game that kind of runs on his size and strength. I don't think it's especially going to suffer here. Uh, and you know, hopefully his chin's better. Hopefully his cardio is better. So I like this as a move for him. And if it just, if it just ex- extends the Dwight Grant experience, like I'm not even talking about like a rebirth, but if it just gives us four or five more fun Dwight Grant fights, before he decides to hang him up, I'm here for it. And I like him to beat Stoltzfus here. Uh, you know, I'm interested to see what happens when it hits the ground. Uh, Stoltzfus uh, likes grappling. He, he'll be happy to keep it there and try to get tr- Grant in, in trouble. I think Grant's going to hurt him on the feet. Uh, I think Grant's going to outland him. And I think he's going to sting him some. Like, I'm not picking a knockout, but I'm picking a fight where Grant probably wins all three rounds and there's just no real comfortable place for Stoltzfus. Uh, n- you know, he's going to get outlanded on the feet. He's not going to be able to make the things work that he wants on the ground. And here at 185, Grant's not going to get tired. So give me uh, Grant by a uh, pretty comfortable round decision. So this is as good a place as any to talk about the little square dance do-si-do of 135 and 145 pound fights that happened on Thursday before fight week and like hot off the presses as of when we're recording this, we don't know what the final matchup is going to be, but we have kind of a guess. So let's talk about this just for a moment because we were scheduled to have a featherweight matchup featuring Herbert Burns against the debuting, finally, Hussein Ashkabov. There aren't many names that trick me up, but (laughs) And there's a
1: whole bunch that trick me up. Yeah.
0: Uh, And we were supposed to have a uh, 145 pound matchup between Bill Aljo and Billy Quarantillo. I'm not dead sure about the Burns and Askabov one. It might have been 135. I can't get a clear answer on that one, but that kind of mattered because if it's a 135, that's a big ask of Herbert Burns, who was huge. And his most distinguishing feature at Featherweight was that he always weighed in at 150 pounds. So, yeah, I think he, I think he was,
1: I think it was a fight was at 145.
0: Well, if it's at 145, then as good of a prospect as Ashkabov has looked like all of his best uh, outings have been at 135. So that at yeah. least would have been interesting to see him enter against a big 145 er in Herbert Burns and see if all of his uh, skills could translate, but we can't have nice things. That's not what's happening. Corintillo and Ashkabov are both out apparently with injuries. So the UFC has put together Burns versus Aljo. Uh, I mean, any thoughts on this one? I'll, I'll tell you my thought is that I, I like that Bill Aljo has found a place in the UFC. I don't think he's a yeah. future contender, but he's a guy that is generally in fun fights and, uh, and uh, you know, looks like he could probably stick around on roster for a while, be kind of a good test for new guys coming in out of the contender series. If he strings together a couple wins, he'd be a guy you can throw in against kind of like a, a borderline top 20 guy and see if he's turned a corner he just looks to me like like a guy who settled in as a good roster guy.
1: Yeah, so I, I'm a little bummed about the uh, the change of the fights, and I'll tell you why. It's plain and simple. The four guys you named, I like all four guys. I think all four guys are pretty good. So just to lose a fight and then Ashkabov or uh, however I say his name, I, I apologize.
0: That's he perfect. looks. You he said looks it better good.
1: than I did. <laughs> yeah, dude, that guy looks really good when you watch him on paper. Uh, I got all these notes out him I said I'm not gonna break down his notes now, but I mean it's like I mean, yes, he's he's taking a big step up in competition. so it's like so you take everything with grain of salt when you watch people on the regional scene, but he has like this it thing going with him where you just like his talent jumps off the page very aggressive, very fast, very exciting, uh, on the feet, on the ground, slams, fin- first round finishes, submissions like this guy looks like he looks like a future top 15 guys for sure. Um, So, and then Quarantillo who's now out uh, is always been really good. I mean, even like his fight against Shane Burgos on his last fight was like a fun, entertaining fight. He's uh, he's a really good guy. So as far as this fight, bear with me a little bit as, as we we really just got announced. So I kind of have the notes for both guys kind of in different directions. Uh, So I might, I might be scrolling for a second and trying to uh, delay a little bit. no, Herbert Burns, it's funny. So I was taking um, Ash- Ashkaboff just because I was so amazed by his, uh, his skills. But Herbert Burns is the kind of guy that I I like too. I mean, on the feet, he's he's a servible, serviceable striker, but he, he likes to brawl. <laughs> because as you mentioned, he's a big guy who has some pretty good power, throws some hard body kicks. But if he closes the distance, he gets in the clinch, he's willing to grind on you. Uh, get some body lock takedowns, also has some decent entries, he'll even pull guard. And the reason why he'll pull guard is because his BJJ is is elite. It's amazing. He's an IBJ, uh, IBJJF medalist. I mean, that's how good he is. Uh, amazing back takes, smothering top control. The one thing, and this is what got him in trouble in the past, is his gas tank he can slow down i mean look look at what happened in the danny paneo fight he really slowed down Panay put put it on him hit him with some really good shots so you worried about the damage he took in that fight uh but all in all uh his jujitsu is so off the charge that he can be a tough test for anybody uh bill Algio was the guy that i liked coming off the contender series he's a long and lengthy striker a really really good striker in my opinion he's he's a pressure counter striker a little unorthodox he hangs his hands low but he has really good movement, uh, which which he relies on being that his hands are so low. Throws a lot of combinations. I love that he puts uh, that he puts kicks into his punching combinations. Uh, throws hard kicks. He'll throw a flying knee, some strong uh, plum clinch, um, and that's due to his size. I mean, he's a like I mentioned, he's a big, long, lengthy guy. He batters the bodies with knees really easily. He will look for some body lock takedowns and in, inside. Uh, I hate that he could go for the head and arm throw, uh, but he has a BJJ black belt. He will toss up some submissions from the bottom. If he doesn't get the submission, he uses a space to get back to his feet, but he's a weak defensive wrestler. He's been taken down 22 times in five UFC fights. Uh, and I, I mentioned this when I, when I was watching like a tennis series, instead of sprawling, this is a guy that will like go for Camoros, jump guillotines, uh, which is really, really concerning. I, It's hard to kind of put this fight together like five minutes, kind of head start. I, as much as I like Algeo, like I really like this guy, even though he doesn't have a good record in the UFC, I just think Burns is a terrible size league matchup, especially if Burns is and plays as smart and and what happened in the Pineda fight, getting caught, uh, he, you know, and kind of getting beat up. And some of that was from his own wrestling, tiring himself out. His power, throwing power at every shot will, will tire yourself out. But if he closes the distance, he should have his way on the ground with Algeo. And and that's what I kind of think happens. Don't be surprised if it's one of these things where he banks two rounds and Algeo comes on strong in the in the third round and, and, and he hangs on. Or even like we get a draw where Algeo gets a 10-8 round in the third round. But uh, obviously I'm not predicting a draw. Uh, which 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 would be fun if we actually did do that once, uh, but uh, give me Burns. I want to say submission, but Algio is a, a black belt. He's he's pretty slick. He's kind of kind of a funk style wrestler, so I think he finds way out of it. But give me give me Burns in a pretty competitive decision.
0: All right. And I, I guess I didn't do it, but I might as well just do a quick introduction uh, of these two gentlemen. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I just got no, no, to no. I, I didn't even think to because I, I just figured we'd have yeah. a few minutes of free form discussion. But you know, Aljo, a 33 uh, year old from Philadelphia, is 15 and six overall. He is two and two since joining the UFC as a veteran of Dana White's Contender Series season two. He's the guy that lost the very famous, infamous Brennan Laughlin fight where. Uh, Lofton shot a takedown on him in the last 30 seconds of a fight he was winning. Dana refused to sign Lofton saying, we're looking for killers. Everyone remembers that moment. Uh, He's also a former uh, ROC and would-be CFFC featherweight champ. Uh, He won the ROC title. He won the title fight in CFFC, but missed weight for it, so missed his chance. And uh, Burns, 34-year-old Brazilian by way of uh, South Florida. He is Eleven and three overall. He is two and one in the UFC since joining out of the third season of Dana White's Contender Series. Uh, Two and one. He's just one and zero at uh, featherweight. But uh, he lost his last time out. That was the Daniel Pineda fight. And yeah, we don't have any odds on this thing yet. I agree that it's a bad matchup for Aljo in in the sense that you know Aljo is a black belt facing a much more credentialed black belt, like a literal, you know, world class grappler. But there's the sneaky other side of it. Aljo's two UFC wins over Spike Carlisle and Joe Anderson Brito. Both of them, a more skilled, more athletic fighter put it on him early, got tired, and Aljo took over. Like that's that that was the story of both those fights. They they were practically the same fight.
1: You might be giving it to me again, brother.
0: <laughs> if like, burn, you know, burns hasn't even made 145 in over two years you know the evan dunham fight was at 150 pound catch weight he blew weight by five full pounds for the Pineda fight and then gassed out and lost if her if burns doesn't tap out uh algeo in the first round it's Aljo all day and i don't think he's going to i think he's going to be like a house on fire early on uh He's definitely faster on the feet than Aljo has more pure power than he does. You know, he doesn't quite have Gilbert Burns power, but he has, he has definitely has power. I think he should be able to get takedowns with ease. He'll go to work there. If he taps out Aljo in the first round, then I was wrong. And that to me is the second most likely outcome here. But I think he puts a walloping on Aljo in the first round and then Aljo takes over. Just, I I don't have any faith in Herbert Burns at 145 pounds or 149 and a half past the first six minutes of a fight. So give me Bill Aljo in a rousing uh what I'm gonna guess is gonna be an upset. I think Burns is gonna be a big favorite in this fight. Give me Aljo.
1: Let me ask you this. Um comparing both guys who like I would say we'd both say that Burns got an easier opponent. Oh would yes you say, would you say the same for
0: Aljo? Cause I dude Burns was a three to one underdog to Ashkabov
1: Ask about
0: hadn't even even fought in two and a half years. And he was like minus 275, minus 285.
1: Would you say the same for Aljo Did he get an easier opponent or did he get a harder one?
0: I think he got an easier opponent. Again, Quarantillo was like minus 300 against him. Oh, wow.
1: Yeah, I I agree because Quarantillo obviously is a very wrestle heavy grapple style too. But obviously a much bigger gas tank. So yeah, I agree. I think they both got easier opponents.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I like all four of these guys, but we lost the two that probably have the highest upside right now. Yeah, I agree. We head now to the light heavyweight division for a matchup between Dustin Jacoby and Da Eun Jung. Jacoby, the 34-year-old uh, Denver native, is 17-5-1 overall. He's 5-2-1 across two different stints with the UFC, but the first... I mean, they're separated by a decade. His first two fights in the UFC, he lost them both, but it was long enough ago that he lost them to Clifford Starks and Chris Camozzi. That's all you really need to know. Like, if you don't know who I'm talking about because you weren't even watching MMA yet, like, th- there, there you go. Uh, he went back to the regional scene. <laughs> you
1: know what those guys started, George? You know those guys there where we are throwing, like, Terry Martin's name out there? We are just yeah. naming random Middleweights, like, both those guys.
0: Chris Camozzi, Clifford Starks. Yeah, exactly. Those are the names. Uh, he went... Uh, and d- did exclusively kickboxing for about five years. He was a contender uh, for glory. He was a tournament winner. He like fought for a title uh, in in glory. He, hey, he got knocked out by Alex Pereira's left hook, just like Adesanya did. He was passing them out, out to everybody. <laughs> Sean <Strickland>. uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, since he's been back in the UFC, he is 5-0-1. Uh, his only blemish if you want to call it that, a split draw with uh, Iwan Kudalaba last May. Since then, he's bounced back with three more wins in a row over Darren Stewart, uh, John Allen, and Mihal Shechuk. Those three, you know, kind of fringe guys have propelled him to the point where we got to start looking to him as some sort of contender. And somebody who's going to meet him in the same place is uh, Da Unjung. The 28-year-old Korean is 15-2-1 overall. He's 4-1 and one in the UFC. Uh, wins over Kata Abramov, Mike Rodriguez, William Knight, and Kennedy and Zuchukwu all sandwiched around a weird draw with Sam Alvey uh, back in October of 2020. So, you know, both of these guys really on, on the cusp of contention in the UFC light heavyweight division. Jacoby is the slight favorite to make the next step. He is minus 160. Jung is out there around minus 130 right now. Keith, these guys aren't very similar stylistically. They're not similar (laughs) as fighters, but they're similar in that they've looked fantastic over the next couple of years and they both have a really weird draw. Uh, Who gets it done? Yeah. um,
1: Yeah. I I love this, this thing we got going on with Dustin Jacoby. Like I love this turnaround. um, A guy that when when his name kind of, I remember when his name came up on the contender series, it was like, well, oh, what a weird name to be on the card. But uh, and you mentioned glory kickboxing, uh, very technical, and he's been really good. Uh, one of the best pure strikers in the in the division, uh, high output, really good footwork. He, I like the things he does defensively. He avoids strikes by first moving, moving out of the, like completely moving with his feet, which is the best defense. And then in like his second defense, is pairing punches and countering, which is which I think is you know the next best. So I love that he is constantly attacking cutting different angles. Um, one of the best jabs in the game follows it up with straight punches down the pipe. I like that he just touches and then he explodes when there's an opening. Some of the best calf kicks in the business. I mean, I, I know I I'm a broken record when we talk about Justin Dustin Jacobi's calf kicks. I always bring up the Justin Liddell fight. He beat Justin Liddell with just kicks, <laughs> the calf kicks, which uh, is pretty impressive. Uh, he has a he is a weak defensive wrestler. I mean, Ian Kuzalaba turned him into a taste down dummy, but he showed in that fight that he's hard to get taken down. And again, I shouldn't say a weak defensive wrestler. I mean, that one guy was able to really uh, put it on him. Uh, Dalun Jong really underrated fighter. I'm glad that you said these nice things about him because uh, he's a boxer with some pretty quick hands. He throws sh- shots, hard shots down the pipe. Surprising power. I mean, he starts Mike Rodriguez. He brutalized Kennedy and, and Chukui with elbows inside. Uh, he will sneak in a takedown. I mean, he hit eight takedowns against William Knight, who come from a wrestling background and uh, was easily taken down. He's got really good cardio. I mean, he was landing takedowns deep into fights. Uh, can go hard off 15 minutes. So uh Jung, he's a really an overachiever, but you know, I love overachievers, <laughs> like there's something about that, they just stick with me. Uh, it, it I wouldn't be surprised if he turns this into a wrestle match and he wins. And I really wanted to pick it, but I'm gonna go with Jacoby just because of his movement, because of his hand speed. Uh, I expect him to land some jabs, maybe some calf kicks from distance, um, plays at a little safe. Probably trying to not engage with him too much, uh, so John can't close the distance. Give me, give me Jacoby by decision.
0: I'm with you here. Uh, I like both of these fighters as well. I and in the condition that light heavyweight is in right now, both these guys might still have a top ten run in them, regardless of who wins. But yeah, Jacoby's going to be a rough ask for Jung because Jung has fought taller guys with longer reach but he was way quicker than Mike Rodriguez and Kennedy and Zachuku just doesn't use his height and reach very well defensively. Like he he's, he gets hit cleanly by, by shorter guys all the time. Jacoby, like, like you mentioned, he's tall and long, his jab and his uh, low kicker is two best weapons. And he's got, uh, he's got good footwork. I, I think it's going to be a bit of a frustrating night for Jung. I don't necessarily see a, a finish here. He's been incredibly hard, Uh, to finish, but I do see Jacoby getting the better of the striking for three rounds here as well. We head now to the Bantamweight division for a matchup between uh, longtime contender Ricky Simone and undefeated up-and-comer Jack Shore. Simone, the 29-year-old Washington State native fighting out of Oregon, is 19-3 and overall. He is 7 and 2 since joining the UFC as a former LFA bantamweight champ and as a veteran of the first season of Dana White's contender series though he was not signed immediately. He is on a 4-fight win streak, uh those coming against Ray Borg, Gaetano Perello, Brian Kelleher and Rafael Asunsao. Most recent of those, the Sal fight, was back in December at UFC Fight Night Lewis versus Dawkus, and he knocked him out about halfway through the second round. He will look to make it five straight and really mint himself a top 10 contender against Shore. The 27-year-old Welshman is a perfect 16-0 in his mixed martial arts career. He's a perfect 5-0 and 0 since joining the UFC as the outgoing Cage Warriors bantamweight champ. His wins have been over Nolan Hernandez, Aaron Phillips, Hunter Azure, Ludwig Shalinian, and most recently, Timur Valiev, whom he beat uh, via unanimous decision at UFC Fight Night Volkov versus Aspinall back in March. Odds on this one are fairly close, but sure is a moderate favorite. He's minus 165 right now. Simone plus 140 uh, on the comeback. Keith, it's, I mean, you're, you're someone who is even out ahead of me on the idea that 135 men's 135 might be the best division in the whole sport right now. That's and dope. I usually disagree with you. I'm kind of like, well, you know, I don't know if it edges out 45 or 55 yet, but when I realize that someone like Ricky Simone is basically a forgotten man in the division, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I come back around and I go, you know what, or, or, you know, that Jack shore who is 16 and 0 and has won five straight in the UFC isn't already in top five matchups. I'm like, yeah. man, that is a, that is a long ladder to climb. Uh, who do you see winning this one, win and how do you see the fight going?
1: Yeah, just a quick point on one hundred and thirty-five. I feel like the only thing one hundred and thirty-five is missing—they're they're missing the dominant champion at the top, like the other division has, you know—and uh, also that very marketable star that kind of really gets the casuals going. They don't have that. No matter Henry Cejudo's, you know, apparently back. Maybe he's the guy. Maybe if Dillashaw can pull pull a championship, maybe he can kind of get some rub. Uh, If Al Jermaine Sterling continues to win, eventually he's got to get some respect. Uh, But as far as deep, I mean, uh, it's insane. And then when this match, we we looked at this match, uh, the first thing that jumped out to me is like, why the hell is Ricky Simone versus Jack Shore so far down on the list? Like this fight should be second or third from the top. And usually we always. Like, this would be a
0: better headliner than some Fight Night headliners we've had. Yeah, this
1: exactly. And then you look at the fights on the card ahead of it, and then I go, oh, uh, you know, Soriano versus Dalio Ligambula is is a is a really fun action fight. That fight shouldn't be ahead of it though. No. Based on talent. But, but, but then I'm like, if it,
0: if it weren't that, it would be an unranked heavyweight fight. Like that's what we have yeah, instead yeah, of exactly. an unranked yeah, heavyweight fight a, because exactly. everyone thinks it's going to be a knockout. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: But then we have Misha Tate, Lauren Murphy, dope fight. Uh Shane Burgos versus Charles Jordan dope fight. Mashnel versus Sumajari, dope fight. Lee Jing Leong versus Muslim Sakhalov. I, I like that. Michelle Waterson versus Amanda Lomas, like that. Brian Otega, Yahya yeah, Rodriguez. Then I'm like, oh, so other than maybe one spot. Yeah, I get, I get why it's where it is. Uh again, like I'm, I'm not saying like it shouldn't be higher, but uh it, it's I can't really complain that much, but I normally would have. Um, I but back to the actual fight, it, it, it is a really, really uh fun matchup. Very a lot of questions will be answered, especially about the undefeated Jack Shaw. As this is his well, I don't know if it's his toughest test because Valley of is a really tough test, but someone's a much bigger guy than Valley of. Uh, he's Simone's a classic wrestle boxer who's a, a, a plus athlete who's very physically strong guy. Uh, fast hands. He does well to get in the pocket and, and unload some good power shots. Uh, sets up a lot of his power shots with with feints. I, I go back to the Ray Borg fight. Like I can't, I wrote this note a long time ago. He was freezing Ray Borg with feints. Um, high output. I like that he attacks with combos. He will, he's one of the guys who go downstairs and work the midsection uh, before he sets up his power shots. Uh, he 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 will eat a shot to land one of land one back, which I don't like. Um, some of it has to do with just his, his lack of head movement, uh, but he also has like a willing to brawl style. Uh, he does check leg kicks, which I like. He's a very good wrestler. He's got some good entries, smothering top control. Um, when his opponent tries to get up, he stays glued on them, making them carry his weight. He understands the little things like that that go a long way. He's not much of a submission threat, but when he does, and we talked about this about he he, he likes to wrestle submissions, head and arm choke series. Uh, Move on to his opponent, Jack Shore. Uh, I've been on Jack Shore as seen him forever, and I'm still on him. Uh, he's not a great athlete, but he's so intelligent. He knows what he's good at, and, and he just goes for it. He knows his best avenue to victory, and he puts himself in that avenue every fight. He is big for the weight class. He fights with a lot of pressure, snapping jab, tons of variety. Uh, it really like he he's always tacking he's never attacking with the same thing it really reminds me of alex Volkodowski. now i'm not saying he's the bat- pump, you know he reminds me of the pound pump- best fight in the world i'm just talking about this one thing he does um where he's always attacking getting and guessing i like that he rips the body he really showed that he's coming into his power in the valley of fight like he hurt valley of on the feet uh, his his kicking game has become very dangerous body kicks calf kicks he's a very Good, underrated wrestling, good entries. He chains takedowns together well, relentless to get the takedown. He has that mindset. Uh, He uses size to get inside, get some body lock entries, body lock takedowns. Um, He's good at winning scramble. He has, I said this last time, he has this like Khabib thing in him where he he understands the controlling of one single limb and keeping that pin before you move on, really smothering that way. Good back takes. He has eight submission wins. uh, So, uh, I'm really intrigued on who you're taking this fight because uh, this is such an amazing fight. Uh, Ricky Simone is a really tough test for Jack Shaw, but I'm staying on Jack Shaw. Uh, I know he's going to put himself in the best position to win. I think that's going to be him forcing uh, Simone back on his back foot. Uh, I think that's gonna he's going to be the one, even though Simone's the more decorated wrestler, I think he's going to be the one who's going to be initiated. initiative takedowns putting the wrestler on his back making the wrestler defend takedowns where he wants to be in the offensive wrestling but he said he's gonna be defensive wrestling i think it'll be a close fight but give me a show by decision
0: i love this fight i think it's an extremely appropriate matchup for both guys it's hard for me to believe that ricky simone is only 29 years old just because it feels like he's been in the UFC for so long because he's one of those guys from the first season of the contender series you know and just all those guys you know kind of stick in your minds you know but hell that was only like five years ago uh it's ironic that Ricky Simone's first UFC loss was to Uriah Faber because he reminds me of an old school team alpha male guy like the team alpha like the WEC era team alpha male guys before they hooked up with uh Dwayne Ludwig you know he's a Explosive athletes, uh, very good wrestler, and everything runs off the wrestling and the the aggression. You know, like high volume, high volume striker with a, a fairly basic repertoire of, of strikes. You know, and just uses the takedown and the threat of the takedown to open other things up. Uh, you know, just so it's just kind of funny that he got sunned by Uriah Faber of all people. I'm with you, man. Like, this could be a trap fight for someone like Shore. a a more like a more athletic, faster guy who hits pretty hard and is a good offensive wrestler. But you you keep bringing Mm -hmm. it back to the fact that Shore is so intelligent and so well coached. And that's the problem for me is that when I envision the ways Simone wins this fight, they all involve Shore doing the wrong thing, either making a mistake or coming in with the wrong game plan. And I've not seen him do either of those (laughs) things ever So I'm with you. This, this should be a really fun fight for a fight that I expect is going to feature a lot of wrestling. I think it's going to be a lot of fun.
1: You know who Jack Shaw reminds me of. And I know we got to move on to those other fights, but his rise. And I'm not talking about the undefeated. None of that. I mean, just his style of fighting. Mm -hmm. He reminds me a lot of Leon Edwards where when you watch Leon Edwards, it doesn't like, wow, you, you don't jump off the page with his talent, but it, he just finds ways to win. Always puts himself in the right position. And Jack Shaw reminds me of the
0: same way. Agreed. You know, I was cage side when Leon Edwards beat Rafael dos Anjos, and I kind of had dos Anjos in that fight. And I was like, nope, nope. All the ways that dos Anjos was going to win this fight involved Edwards not making the right choices, and that didn't happen. Yeah. So uh I'm with you here. And. Not all of swords fights are super exciting. He's like Edwards no. in that he does not owe you entertainment. Like some yeah, of the fights yeah, are a lot of fun, but not all of them are. Yeah. This one I think is going to be a lot of fun, especially for one that I think is going to involve a lot of wrestling. Good scrambles. I think it's going to be good scrambles. Simone, I you know, neither of us loves people just defending takedowns with guillotines, but Simone, <laughs> another another team alpha male thing is that he has an actual front headlock series that he yeah. uses to to threaten and defend and force scrambles.
1: They want a up fight.
0: Yeah, he. I mean, he shouldn't have won that fight, but he was doing the right thing. (laughs) Like he
1: put himself in position. He put himself in position to get like a controversial win.
0: Yeah, there, there you go. Because otherwise, he was uh, his first UFC loss would have come much, much sooner, and Marab would already have had two title shots by now. Uh, (laughs) uh, But yeah, give me Shore by decision in in a fun fight that is really, really going to get the talk cranking about when this guy is going to get into the title picture. Because he'll have, you know, at that point, two wins in a row over top 10 level guys. Next up at UFC Long Island are the middleweights as Puna Hele Soriano and Dalton Lungiambula take the cage. Soriano, the 29-year-old Hawaiian by way of Las Vegas, is 8-2 and two overall. He is an even 2-2 two and two since joining the UFC out of the second season, or, sorry, the third season of Dana White's Contender Series, However, uh, he is on a two fight losing streak. He won his first two fights in the UFC by first round knockout over Oscar Piajota and Dusko Todorovic. Since then, he's run into trouble against Brendan Allen and Nick Maximov. The most recent of those, the Maximov fight, was a split decision loss back in February at UFC fight night Hermanson versus Strickland. He's going to try to get things back on track against Lungiambola. The 34 year old South African is 11 and 4 overall. Lungi two and three since joining the UFC as a former two-division champ uh, in EFC, the uh, major African promotion. What you need to know about that is the two divisions were light heavyweight and heavyweight. And if you've ever seen Lungi that should not surprise you at all, because the guy is on the William Knight level of being made out of a stack of bowling balls. Uh, he's on a two-fight losing streak, same as Soriano, those being a decision loss to Mark andre Berrio and then this March, uh, he got guillotined by Cody Brundage late in the first round. Both men looking to snap two-fight losing streaks. Soriano definitely the one more favored by Vegas to get it done. He is minus 250 right now. Lungi 210 on the comeback. I can understand why the odds are what they are. I, I, I would not feel comfortable betting anyone like any unranked middleweight as a two and a half to one favorite over somebody who hits as hard as lungi envelope that just seems really, really dangerous. But I see Soriano as a guy who's still on the come up. I mean, he still only has 10 fights in his career. He I mean, he has tons of physical talent. He's with a great camp. I mean, he's parked at extreme couture with a lot of the other Hawaiian fighters who kind of relocated like Dan Ige. I think people just still see upside in him because yeah, he's run into trouble against the likes of Brendan Allen and Nick Maximov, but those are two very good middleweights, very good grapplers. And he wasn't completely out of his depth against them. He just wasn't quite enough for him now. Whereas Lungi is a guy who came in and with some very scary tools still has those scary tools, but I feel as though we've kind of seen his ceiling here. Uh, He's, he's not a good defensive wrestler uh, for as hard as he hits, you know, he himself is quite hittable. He allows fights to be dictated to him. I, I mean, marc andrea Barrio probably would have been cut if he lost that fight to Lunguambala, but Lunguambala just let it become a Barrio fight. Barrio mashed him in, in the clinch, crowded him, just didn't stay on the, didn't keep his chin on the gunnery range where uh, Lunguambala could, you know, uh, take his block off with, with any of his punches I think this is Soriano's fight to win. Soriano is uh I think a uh, kind of an underrated offensive wrestler and willing to go to it and use it. it I mean in fact you can argue that against both well against Maximov he wasn't the better wrestler and then against Allen just that wasn't a safe safety valve for him because then he's going to the ground with a long-limbed good grappler. Lungiambala is not those things. Uh if Soriano wants to hang out on the feet, he might be able to knock Lungiambla out. He might get knocked out himself I think he's smart enough that he's not going to go there I think we get about a half a round of a feeling out process maybe a couple of interesting exchanges I expect Soriano to try to take this thing to the to the ground in the first round once we're there I think it's fish out of water time I give me Soriano by ground and pound TKO late in the first
1: yeah um (laughs) Yeah, I think the odds are off a little bit because of the power of Liam. I'm sure I struggle with his name, Long Ambula. He, I'm with you, like, I wouldn't put money down on on those odds, but uh, yeah, I I agree with a lot of things you just said about surrounding his age. Like, uh, he's good, I mean, he's well rounded. He's a southpaw that is a nice pocket boxer. He's got, um, even though he's a much smaller fighter, he does have some good power. He's pretty fast, he's pretty accurate. I go back to the Chodorovich fight like he was not missing his left hand Uh, i like that he mixes kicks into his combos Uh, he has a very similar style to rickson moment he's willing to eat a punch to land one of his own but that's because he can crack and he trusts his chin more than he trusts his opponent's chin uh you mentioned him being an underrated wrestler like he's a former ncw wrestler he's he's i think he's a good wrestler Mm -hmm. quick entries Really drives to get through the next, the second level. Drives through the hips. Some big slams. Uh, if he's in the clinch, he looks for foot sweeps. Strong, strong ground and pound. Uh, Lungambula, you mentioned, just a massive dude. He looks like a heavyweight. He's a good athlete. Very explosive. Crushing power. But he has low output, and that's because he's always looking to land the perfect strike to end the fight. He loads up at every shot, and this really ties him out. We see him gas out against and Kalayov against Perez he gassed out uh, he 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 makes a mistake of backing straight up and he pairs his punches um well which I'd like but he still backs up on the center line which I don't like uh, he is a judo black belt he has some throws and some trips but if he's the one taken down he really struggles to get back up um and the thing about him is we've seen him crumble crumble when times get tough and I really question his heart. Like I think he might be a little bit of a front runner. Like I wrote that down in my notes after his last fight. Uh, if it gets hard, he tends to check out when he's challenged. Uh L- Lungambula has the raw skills, but it's everything else that I'm worried about. I see both guys landing some big shots, um but I see L- like, I'm struggling with this guy's name. Uh, Lung Yambula, you may down. not need
0: to struggle with it m- much longer. Yeah, yeah, maybe not. uh,
1: yeah, but every time we put someone in the cut list, like later on, uh, we're next we're three months later, we're breaking down their fights again. Uh, but uh, I think Soriota starts taking over, gets take, uh, you know, when he gets tired, I think he might get some taken down, be on top, pin Lungambula down. And I'm with you. I like the pick of the ground and pound. I'm going the same way. I'm going to say second round takeout with ground and pound.
0: There you go. Two two pretty strong picks for Puna Soriano to make it so that Keith does not have to struggle to say Dolce Lungiambula very much longer. (laughs) Next up is what can only be described as a contenders match at women's flyweight, despite the fact that it's one of uh, the women's debut in the division. It is Lauren Murphy versus Misha Tate. Murphy, the 38 year old who will be 39 in just a couple weeks, uh, Alaskan by way of Houston, is 15 and five overall. She's seven and five in the UFC. Uh, more impressive sounding than seven and five is the fact that she is six and two since dropping the flyweight. The culmination of that, of course, was her unsuccessful title shot against Valentina Shevchenko last September at UFC 266, where she was game but overwhelmed on the way to a fourth round TKO. She is going to look to get things back on track against Tate, the former Bantamweight champion, of course. A uh, 35-year-old out of uh, Washington State is 19-8 and overall. She is 6-5 and five in the UFC. Notably, she is 0-0 at flyweight. Uh, she disappeared from the sport after losing back-to-back fights to Amanda Nunes and Raquel Pennington. The Nunes fight, of course, where she lost her title, took off for about five years, was a... Uh, VP for one championship basically out of nowhere came back last summer, just announced her return, came back to modest expectations. Keith and I both talked about kind of how under publicized it was. I think perhaps the UFC just being cautious about it, not knowing what her plans were or how she'd look. Turns out she looked fantastic. Uh, Knocked out Marion Renault in the third round in such a way that gave kind of made her a person of interest immediately in the, uh, bantamweight division that interest waned when she came back in November and lost to Ketlin Vieira in the headliner of UFC fight night 198 Tate apparently saw some writing on the wall there decided to drop to 125 pounds and the test run for that is going to come against an immediately previous title challenger in Murphy Uh kind of an interesting a uh, deep end of the pool she's being thrown into. Nonetheless, she is the favorite. She's minus 175, Murphy plus 150 as the underdog. Keith, I see this as a battle of unknowns. I'm going to throw it to you, but to me it is Murphy's age. Again, she's going to be 39 a uh, couple weeks after this fight and the question of her motivation level after she kind of reached the pinnacle, got the title shot sure. she'd, she'd asked for for years and was proven definitively you know not up to the task her age and her motivation against tate's ability to cut uh, an extra 10 pounds of weight in her mid to late 30s who gets it done here and how does this fight look
1: yeah i don't think it's ever a good idea to be dropping down a weight this late but misha tate is such a professional like i have no doubt that she makes the weight uh let me ask you this misha tate keeps talking about you know, With a win, getting a title shot, she expects the UFC to do their matchup. Do, do you agree that she wins and she gets a title shot?
0: Actually, I do think she will. If, if she wins yeah. in uncontroversial, one-sided fashion, she gets a title shot.
1: So let me ask you this question. If you think she wins, and and she doesn't deserve it after one win in the division, but if you're the UFC and you're going to give her a title shot after one win, why even have her fight Laura Murphy? Why not just go right to the title shot?
0: maybe, well, for one thing, I could see Tate requesting something like this. I want a she test case be. fight. She, yeah, I fair mean, enough. That's just, true. She probably would have. You're confident she's going to make the weight? Maybe she isn't. Maybe she wants a test cut before she has to do it against the best fighter in the world. Yeah, it could.
1: And, and, and it might be something Yeah, she wants to see what she feels like before she moves right to the title. But I mean, if those aren't factors, like, she doesn't deserve it, but that hasn't stopped the UFC before, and does anybody like... The hardcores are not going to be happy even with one win for Misha Tate to get a title shot, but the casual's not gonna care.
0: So nope, you could make it without
1: the you can make it without even uh you know, you could have made it you could have gave Misha Tate a title shot or her, her return fight back from the UFC and and a lot of people wouldn't have cared. Now uh, who's gonna win this one? Uh this is this is a tough test. Now I'd love Misha Tate as a person. Like I I interviewed her I'm only bringing this up. Because you said there wasn't a lot of press on her return. Yeah, because I interviewed her about three days before it was announced, and, and I joked about her coming back out of retirement, and she didn't want to break the story with me. So, Jesus. Anyways, uh, she no, she's 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 one of the best videos I've ever done. That said, I've never been that high on her as a talent. Now, she looked amazing against Mario Rineau. She looked fast, good output. She was throwing combinations. But against Ketlin Vieira, like – she looked much different. She looked uh not very uh not Caitlin Vera. I'm sorry.
0: Um No, it was Caitlin Vera.
1: It was Caitlin Vera. Okay, yeah. Sorry. I missed, I'm mixing up my uh Bantamites for a second. Yeah. Uh she looked slow. Uh she did have good output, which I did like, but no power. And dropping down, I don't expect her to have more power at 125. Uh, but what's concerning to me is she wasn't reacting to shots well. Like, she was getting hurt. Uh, on on the feet a little bit for from, from my liking. Now, I like that she still attacks the body. Um, I like that she can close the distance. She'll grind the clinch. Uh, she has some really good entries. She's not explosive, but she's relentless to get to the ground. She cuts angles well. Um, she took down Vieira even in a fight that she clearly lost. But she's got some strong control. She's got some good back takes. She got seven submission wins. I mentioned last time she, she won the UFC title with a submission. Um Laura Murphy, she's a minus athlete, but she's just, like, tough. Now, she isn't fast, but she fights at a really good pace. Uh, she can take a beat and then keep on working. She's pretty technical boxer, uh, good jab. She gets inside and she throws some power shots. I think she's got underrated power. She sits on her punches. Um, she's good at moving and then you know, she's not moving forward, she's good at moving and pulling her opponent into her right hand, her power punches. Uh, because of her boxing style, she doesn't check many light kicks, uh, so that's a big target. She's good in the clinch, but she's she's good in clinch, but she's she's not a wrestler, but she's smart enough to sneak a takedown in uh, to win a round. I say she has okay top control and I would say average takedown defense, like nothing's you know, she's not Jose Aldo out there, so. To me, this fight comes down to if Tate can take down Murphy. Um, you you did add an intriguing factor of how motivated is Murphy because I, I didn't really think about that. Um, you know, being that you're, you're up there in age. I mean, she's a mother. She's thirty nine. you're about to turn thirty nine. So she's she's at a place where I mean, she could just fall off regardless of how motivated she is. She could just fall off overnight. But also, like to get all the way there and 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 have your dream crushed and. It's hard to wake up and put in that extra work, especially being that her style is to fight at such a high pace. Now, of course, we're speculating. We have no idea. Um, yeah. But if if the fight stays on the feet and Tate can't take it down, uh, it, this could be a pretty exciting fight. And um, I think it could be a really close fight. But I'm going to say Murphy and her output and her power, uh, I think she hits harder. I'm going to take Murphy by split
0: decision. 100% on board with you here. I was <laughs> I was wondering which way you go on this one. Like you, you made, you made a good point that you know, Murphy's not, she's a, a minus athlete. And I almost interjected and said the same thing. I said, when you said that about court McGee, like, no, she was a minus athlete when she was 30. Yeah, that's at, true. At that's pushing true. 40, Like, you know, it's like minus, minus, minus. Yeah, that's true. But one thing she has is she's pretty good sized and physically strong for the for the weight class. And yeah, I don't know. You know, think-
1: you know she is <laughs> Lauren Murphy is like she, she, she's the one who like rides her bike to the bus stop. She struggles to ride the bike, like going down the hills and stuff like she's coming down the hills, But like putting, a, putting the bike on the front of like the bike rack, like no problem. Mm-hmm. Like picks no it problem. right up. Don't. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, what a, what a great story. I mean, you mentioned she has kids. Yeah, she has kids that are like almost 20. Like she started training to get back into shape after having kids. And just funny that that was a path for her to like be at least in, you know, in the team picture for the best in the world at at, at what she does for for a brief moment. Like that's fantastic. Uh, but Tate, even if like she nails the, the weight cut and she's as good 125 pound Tate, as she can be, I, I don't think the takedowns are a given here. Like I And I don't think when they get their hands on each other, when they clinch and they probably will, I don't think she's going to necessarily be the stronger woman there. And just like you said, if uh, Tate can't get Murphy down she's going to get the worst of a boxing match for, for three rounds. And that's kind of what I expect to happen. Now, Tate is one of the rare uh, women wrestlers in MMA that is not dependent on trips and throws from the clinch like she actually will shoot from outside but i i don't know that she's like shooting a, a blast double through through murphy's hips or, or anything like that give me murphy to win a decision as well and uh you know keep her run going and kind of it'll be interesting to see what tate does or does not after hitting uh, a roadblock in both of these divisions
1: <laughs> i always think of laura murphy i always remember when she was on the like the comeback ultimate fighter season and I think it was Eddie Alvarez was coaching her. And, and he called her, he kept calling her Barb as in Barb Honchek. He kept
0: messing up her name. And she's like, my name's Lauren. <laughs> we head to the men's featherweight division for, I mean, I would say pencil it in for fight of the night, except you can say that about pretty much every fight between now and the end of the card. But this one should be a banger. It is Shane Burgos versus Charles Jordan. Burgos, the 31-year-old New Yorker, is 14-3 and overall. He's 7-3 and in the UFC. He is coming off a win. Uh, he took a unanimous decision over Billy Quarantillo at UFC 268 last November. That snapped his uh, first losing streak of any kind as a professional as he lost back-to-back fights to Josh Emmett and Edson Barboza. Uh, he'll try to keep things going against Jordan. The 26-year-old from Quebec is... Uh, 13 four and one overall he's four three and one since joining the ufc as a former uh, two division champ from tko one of canada's premier promotions he is on a two fight win streak those being over andre ewell and lando venata most recent of those the venata fight was a first round guillotine choke submission back in april at ufc fight night lemos versus andrage uh despite jordan's uh Highlight real finish and positive momentum. He is a pretty good underdog here. Burgos minus 200 Jordan plus 170. Uh Keith, should be a fun one while it lasts. Uh, who you got?
1: Yeah, this this, this is a really good one. Like uh man, like I know we're gonna be entertained, that's for damn sure. Uh Burgos he cannot be in a boring fight. I mean, he's this big featherweight who just marches down his foe with uh, really high output, quick hands. He throws a snapping jab. Uh, he follows that jab right into the pocket where he can unload big shots. He has some of the best body work. You'll see. He has that mentality work low and then work your way up. He hits really hard. He has some good uh, calf kicks too. The negatives are he keeps his hands low and his head movement isn't nearly as good as the commentary team's gonna make him sound like they make him sound like he has this great slip and rip style. But he really doesn't slip a lot. He eats a lot. <laughs> um, I mean, Josh Emmett was like, beat him up a lot. Edson Barboza beat him up with some shots. Even, and I know he's break this down when I talk about Shane Burgess a really long time ago. But he even got hurt by Kurt Holba in that fight. Uh, his his wrestling is pretty much non-existent. You'll never see him really go for takedowns. Uh, he has been taken down a little bit, uh, but he will work with submissions and, and, and kind of work off his back and kind of get back up. Now, Jordan is an explosive fighter, fights at a really high pace. He's athletic, he's fast. He can fight out of both stances, sharp left hand. Uh, he loves his lead uppercut, which, you know, I don't like. I love, and I keep, I know this two fights in a row, I brought this up for him. I love the Hydrell fight. I love the adjustment he made. In the old fight, like he didn't like being impressed by you and it was kind of picking him apart. He lost the first round and then just became this aggressor and said, that's it. He can't match my pace. He can't match my toughness. And he goes full like this is Sparta moment and the fight Uh those flying knees had some hard kicks, especially to the body. He can't overthrow his shots, which which is concerning and kind of leads him to get tagged. But that kind of goes with the territory, the way he's going to fight. You kind of have to. Um, you kind of have to give take the good with the bad. Uh, he can also can forget defense at times. Like, just uh, eat shot. Uh, very Shane Burgos-ish. If they weren't fighting each other, I'd kind of say the same thing. Like, eat a shot to land one of his own. But he has the cardio to back it up. I think he's an underrated grappler. He is a submission threat. He has four career submissions. Uh, he, he constantly likes working for guillotines. I uh, did against Kulabau. He caught Lando Venata in a submission. Uh, he's good to get back up. He's put on his back. But in fantasy, he was subbed by Julian uh recently. So that, that's a little bit concerning. Uh, this fight is going to be absolute nuts, bonkers, whatever you want to say. Uh, Jordan is is the more explosive fighter. But I think Burgos is the better pure boxer. I think both guys got to have their moments but give me give me the inside striking of Burgos especially going down to to the body uh I think he should take over give me Burgos by decision.
0: Awesome, thank you. I considering how hittable Burgos is and and like how he gets caught clean a couple of times even in his wins in picking Burgos I am worried for him just to eat a flying knee or something spinning or uh, you know like you mentioned a a lead uppercut which seems like a terrible idea except for the times it works uh you know burgos has problems in the ufc because he seems to have settled into the role of the reliable action fighter who comes up a little short when he when he meets an actual top 10 guy like that's that's who's beating him calvin cater josh emmett edson barboza and I mean, I like that you mentioned that his slip and rip is more of a get hit and then rip because, because that was the difference it, between him and Cater. Two guys with broadly the same skill set, but Cater's head movement was better. And so just Burgos ate more shots, you know, and and eventually went down. Emmett, Emmett beat Burgos without really needing to use his wrestling. He just hit him with greater power. Like... For a guy who's as good an offensive boxer as Burgos is, Emmett should not have been catching him cleanly that, that often.
1: Yeah, but in fantasy Josh Emmett's wrestling is gone. He has a wrestling. By
0: the fight. time they fought, yeah.
1: He has, well, he has okay. wrestling forever.
0: Yeah. Most alarming, I was there cage side when he fought it and Barbosa. I actually had Burgos in that fight, and he was doing fine until Barbosa hit him with something that was like a trank dart. Like <laughs> Burgos looked around for about five full seconds and then went down. Uh, that That is worrisome against a guy who throws as many shots from different angles as Jordan does and has plus power on on just about everything. Like, he's not, you know, like a death dealer on the feet, but, you know, he comes up with a lot of unexpected stuff that, that hits from weird angles. And I swear some of his knockouts have been by surprise, like as, as much as concussion. Having said all that, I do favor Burgos to avoid the kill shot, uh, get the better uh, of Jordan on the feet. If they get into a scramble, that's another avenue for Jordan to win. I'm really talking myself out of this Burgos pick, like in real time here. You know what? (laughs) Do it, brother. (laughs) Shane Burgos Burgos is, is probably a better overall fighter than Charles Jordan. He is done respectably against better competition. But he, he leaves too many openings for his, his opponents to get their best weapons in against him. Give me Charles Rodin by second round uh, stoppage. I mean, I'm going to say TKO, but if like they fall into something on the ground and Jordan taps them, that wouldn't surprise me either. There, I just talked myself into a two-to-one upset pick. <laughs> there
1: you go. Hey, I changed my pick right yeah. in this card, so I'm glad that you did the same.
0: We head now to the men's flyweight division for a matchup between Matt Schnell and Sumudarji. Schnell, the 32-year-old uh Louisiana native born in Texas is 15 and 6 with one no contest overall. He's five and four with one no contest in the UFC. He's four and three in the UFC at flyweight. Uh, he did lose his most uh recent timeout. It was a guillotine choke submission by Brandon Royval at UFC 274. That is probably the shortest fight you'll ever see win fight of the night in the UFC. Two minutes and 14 seconds was all it took to get those gentlemen an extra $50,000 each. Uh, He goes in against uh, Sumudarji. The 26 year old Tibetan is 16 and four overall. He's three and one in the UFC. He is two and zero since dropping to flyweight. He is on a three fight uh, win streak. Those being against Andre Sukumtat malcolm gordon and zaruk adashev the most recent of those the adashev fight was at ufc on espn kiesa versus magni all the way back last january so this will be his first time in the cage in a little over 18 months nonetheless or notwithstanding that long layoff he is the comfortable favorite he's minus 240 schnell plus 200 as the underdog keith uh you know, two guys that still have a little bit of a prospect feel, even though Schnell's been in the UFC for like ten fights now, eleven fights. Uh, who gets it done here? Uh, who wins?
1: Yeah, this is another exciting fight. I just seemed I should say the very fight. Like, this is a really good card, um, and I love the placement of flyweights high in the card. Uh, you mentioned it, Matt is Matt Schnell's good man. He's a well-rounded fighter. He's a pressure striker. Good output. He uses feints to really set up his power shots. Uh, he gets in the pocket and he likes to throw down, bite down his mouthpiece, a uh, bit of a brawl. He's got some really nice pop, and he just continues to add guys that he's hurt to the list over and over as he's hurt Bonteri, he's hurt Pantoja, he hurt Tyson Nam. But I'm I'm a little worried about his chin because that style of brawl he 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 gets starts a little bit himself. Uh, he's a good grappler. He's got eight submission wins. He loves like head attacks, Chos, guillotines. Uh, he's also, um, well, if you take him on down, he'll throw up submissions from his back. Uh, he does use his submission attempts to get, you know, create a space to get back up to his feet. Uh, he has been plunked a couple times, That's what I mentioned about his chin. Um, I mean, he was almost knocked out by Brandon Royval in the last fight, but he also hurt Brandon Royval, and that's why we had a fight of the night. Now, uh, Sumajari. Yeah, he's been out for a while, so um, it, it's a little hard to understand who he is. But he's at that age where you expect him to make big improvements from fight to fight. And what we last seen of him, he looked really good. I was Southpaw, who's very technically sound. He's fast. He uses footwork well. He has a very Taekwondo, karate-type style, traditional martial arts style, uh, kind of bladed stance. Uh, but he's really good at like getting in getting out, um, landing without getting hit. You know, Chris jab. Has a his straight right, I mean should be me, his straight left is like a piston. Um, he's he's really good at beating his opponents to the point of attack and just picking up their timing. He's really coming into his power, and, and being that he's now we're 26, he should have him more. But we saw it, you know, showed his power recently against Malcolm Gordon. Uh, he has some really slick kicks, throws some everywhere. He's like that. I, I said it last time he has like that Stephen Thompson hook kick where he likes to throw behind uh behind his uh get everything in. You know, his punches from the right side throws that like hook kick. He hasn't shown much in the wrestling department, but once he, uh, someone's had to take him down, he's kind of want to scramble. He's got some really good ground and pound now. This is another dope play. I think, I think this fight should be a pickup. Like, I think the lines are way off. I think that's this. the lines are really disrespecting the guy like Snell, who's, who's really dangerous, one of the hardest hitters in the division. Uh, and Sumajari has taken a big step of the competition going, you know, Andre Sukmutut, Malcolm Gordon. Uh, I so, yeah, Durashev two match now. That's a big step up in competition. Now, I like both of these guys. I think both guys are going to have moments in the fight. But I, I think uh, Sumajari is going to pass the test. Um, he's just now reaching his prime years. I think he lands the better shots. Um, I like a lot of Snell's offensive tools, but I'm really worried about that chin. He's been been in some wars. And uh, Sumajari did show that he can he can crack. I'm gonna say he does it. I'm, I'm gonna take Sumajari by second round TKO.
0: <sighs> Man, Matchnell cannot catch a break. Like he is one of the best 500 fighters in the UFC. Like talking about his UFC record being, you know, about about
1: 500.
0: The flyweight uh <laughs> Yes, <laughs> it, really tough is. Tough it, I mean, yeah. and we're talking about a guy who debuted in the UFC on short notice at bantamweight against Rob Font. Like, just it's it's brutal. Uh, he has so many good tools. Obviously, he's consistently in exciting fights. He is a big flyweight. Like, I know, like, the dimensions he's listed at by the by the UFC and by the Sherdog Fight Fighter, but I've been face-to-face with the guy a, a few times. He's a big flyweight. Like, he's almost my height. His shoulders are about as wide as mine. I'm just like, dude, how, how do you weigh... 125 pounds, and of course, the question is the answer is with great difficulty, you know, that's been a problem for him in the past.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, talking to me in French fries, like, dude, how do you make
0: weight? <laughs> <laughs> uh for me, the the unknown here obviously is the long layoff for Sumu Darji. And as you like to point out, he's at an age where if the fighter has the talent and is properly motivated and is with the right camp. Uh, that kind of time off can almost be a blessing in disguise. They can come back with whole new tools in the bag that, you know, they wouldn't have if you're doing, you know, purpose purposeful fight camps three or four times a year, expecting that mud is going to come back at least as good as he was, if not better. I do favor him to beat Schnell here. I think, uh, he's going to be the longer striker on the feet, even though I just said, Schnell's a big guy, uh, Sumud Argy has long arms and legs and throws a lot of straight strikes. Interested to see what happens if it, if it hits the ground, but I don't think that's going to be the bulk of the fight. I think uh, what we're going to see is Sumud Arji win a really fun, high-paced kickboxing match, uh, winning at least two out of three rounds. Third from the top at UFC Long Island, at least as the card is currently uh, constructed, is a welterweight matchup between Li Liang and Muslim Salikov. Lee, the 34-year-old from Western China, is 18-7 and overall. He's 10-5 and in the UFC. He did lose his last time out, but, hey, he was the guy that was willing to step up and fight Hamzat Shemaev. For his trouble, he got choked out in the first round, but, uh, you know, that was last October, UFC 267. Prior to that, he knocked out Santiago Ponzinibbio uh, at UFC on ABC1 all the way back last January. Uh, Lee will be facing Salikov. The 38 year old uh, Dagestani is 18 and 2 overall. He is 5 and 1 in the UFC. He uh, debuted, got tapped out by Alex Garcia all the way back in November of 2017. Since then, he's won five straight those being uh, Ricky Rainey, Nordin Taleb, Loriano Staropoli, Eliseu Capoeira, Dos Santos. And most recently, Francisco Trinaldo, whom he beat last June at UFC Fight Night Strike versus Sakai. He'll try to make it six straight, which, I mean, even at welterweight, six straight, got to get you some kind of attention. And he is slightly favored to do so. Uh, minus 170, Lee plus 145 on the comeback. I've got to say, I'm surprised at the level of confidence in a 38-year-old welterweight who hasn't fought in over a year. And his defining feature kind of of his UFC run has been long layoffs and injuries and weird stuff happening to him. On paper, he's had a very appropriate uh, progression in challenges. He took on guys like Ricky Rainey and Nordine Taleb that were kind of mid to low level guys moved up to Loriano Staropoli, who at the time was a well-regarded prospect. And then Eliseu Capoeira and Francisco Trinaldo are both the kind of guys that you need to beat to get kind of onto the edges of the top 15 in the UFC. Like, if all those five fights had happened over the course of 18 or 24 months, he'd be an obvious fringe contender. But because they've been stretched out over five (laughs) years and he's now 38, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in this. Like... He throws a lot of spinning exotic stuff. I I understand why they call him the king of kung fu, uh, but I don't I I don't see how he's like almost a two to one favorite over Li Jing Liang here. Talk talk me off the cliff because the guys that have beaten Li Jing Liang are at a higher level than Muslim Salikov has shown us so far.
1: Yeah, are you are you picking Lee Li Jing
0: Liang? I am. I, okay. I I I think you know I know what Li Jing Liang is. Like, unless and, and and, and Hamzat Shemayev, like, actually killed his brain by choking him all the way to <laughs> he sleep. He might have. Like, might like, have. like yeah. if, if he's <laughs> essentially the same guy he was eight or nine months ago.
1: It's it's funny you say that because, to me, Lee yelling has been very inconsistent. Now, I, I I was thinking about, like, writing new things and kind of organizing my thoughts on Lee Jingleong, but a lot of times what I do is I kind of have my notes and I, like, re-look at my notes and I watch, like, the last fight, a more recent fight, and see what changed. But then I'm like, I just completely ignore the Shimaya fight, because that's just a different animal. Like, he got his ass whooped Like, that's what happens when you fight Shumayev. That's what 99% of weights that's going to happen to him. So, mm-hmm. I, I kind of really copied my last notes heading into that, and it was that he's too inconsistent for me. I mean, he looks incredible against Alesky um, uh, Dos Santos, and then he looked terrible against Neil Magny. Now, I think he's good. I mean, he looked really good against Santiago Ponzinibbio. and um, Ambio. But he just struggled with the size, the length, the IQ of Magny, the ultimate pressure. Now, that's a lot of things that, that Magny does so well, and a lot of guys struggle with that. And Magny fights much different than Salakov does. Now, on the feet, I'd say Leon you know, is a serviceable boxer, a lot of hooks, good head movement. He hits pretty hard good leg kicks. I'd say he's an underrated offensive wrestler, weaker defensive wrestler. Uh, obviously, Magny took him down, so did Jake Matthews. But he's got pretty good cardio, which I like. Um, he seems like a little bit of a gamer. Uh, Salikov, you mentioned it. Like I hate that Salikov is 38. It gives me like so much pause on this guy. But to me, the eyeball test is there. Again, as you mentioned, he hasn't fought in such a long time that we don't know it's there, but I can only tr- go off what I last saw her. Uh, good movement, nice power. I mean, he starts Nordian Taleb. Uh, he sits on his punches. He he's got good head movement. He's really good at slip and rip off the off the center line. Um, you know, kind of keep himself in position to land his own shots. Uh, he's really good at picking up his opponent's timing. He has some of the best kicks in the game. Kicks everywhere. Uh, he also checks kicks. He has those, as you mentioned, the spinning attacks me. He has a very like Alexander Slamenko style to him. Yeah. Uh, where he just throws those, sometimes he throws spinning tacks for no reason. <laughs> I think he's an underrated wrestler, though. He has five takedowns in his last three fights. Uh, pretty good reactionary double. He, he kind of seems like he's understanding that adding wrestling to his game just makes him a better all-around martial artist, and he'll actually open up his striking. Uh, yeah, I like that he'll actually even like catch, even catch a kick and just kind of run you through. Uh, but he needs to improve on his on his ground control. Like He, he struggles to keep guys down. Now, this is another intriguing fight. Um, I think both fighters have some serious question marks. <sighs> I, I am really worried about picking Salikov, but just the eyeball test, I think he's the better fighter. So I really like his kicking game. Uh, he probably has the edge in wrestling too, so give me Salikov by decision.
0: There you go. A little bit of disagreement in another fight with all kinds of uh, question marks hanging over it. With that, we come to the co-main event of UFC Long Island, a strawweight matchup between Michelle Watterson and Amanda Lemos. because a matchup between a former Adamweight champ and a former Bantamweight champ is something that should be allowed. <laughs> Watterson, the 36-year-old uh, Hawaiian by way of New Mexico, is 18-9 and overall. She is six and five since joining the UFC as the newly dethroned Invicta Atomweight Champ. Uh, you know she won the Atomweight title, lost it to Erica Tabercio in one of the biggest upsets that year. Jumped to the UFC and into the straw, and into the strawweight division. She did lose her last time out. It was a pretty one sided loss to Marina Rodriguez uh, and the headliner of UFC on ESPN <clears throat> twenty four last May. Uh, she'll look to get back on track against Lemos. The 35 year old from Northern Brazil is 11, 2, and 1 overall. She's 5 and 2 since joining the UFC as the former Jungle Fight Bantamweight champ. Uh, she is 5 and 1 at Strawweight. She joined the UFC as a Bantamweight, lost to Leslie Smith in her debut, promptly dropped all the way to Strawweight because there was no uh, flyweight division at the time. And she's gone 5 and 1 since then. She put five fights in a row together and probably had a title shot on the line when she ran into Jessica Andrade in April in the headliner of UFC Fight Night 205. She got arm triangled in the first round by what I consider to be basically a more evolved version of herself. Uh, But nonetheless, she is the biggest favorite on the card. Lemos minus 450, Watterson plus 350. To me, uh, Michelle Watterson is a super overachiever. She's an obviously undersized 115 pounder, which makes it interesting that honestly, she's at the UFC level. And frankly, even at the Invicta level, she's kind of the wrestling hottie. Uh, You know, she, she has the tools. Like if you see her at an open workout, she's dazzling. Like she'll throw like butterfly kicks and do 360 spin stuff. And like a hand, like a handstand, like cartwheel kicks and stuff just, you know, to kind of like have fun, but in the cage, She's a grinder who forces the clinch and gets takedowns against larger women. That's that's what she does. When those women cannot be bullied by her, things get really ugly. Uh, she either just gets chopped up if she if it's someone like Yuani on Tech that she can't get inside on, like Marina Rodriguez that she can't really get inside on, or if it's someone who's just stronger and a better wrestler than she is, like Carlos Barza, it turns into an ugly fight that she loses. This is gonna be poison for her i mean amanda lamos to me i mean she really is uh kind of like a less evolved jessica andrage she's a little taller than andrage but it's the same thing where she looked undersized for her band weight but she filled it out with muscle at 115 she's an absolute tank and everything she does runs off of decent to plus athleticism and off the chart strength uh you know she I, I, I don't see any safe place for Watterson here. If if they want to stay on the feet, it'll be Watterson's uh, pot shot striking. And the thing is like, she doesn't have a ton of power. And when she is on the feet, she's not very high volume most of the time these days, especially as she's gotten into her late thirties. So Waterson will just be kind of pot shotting single shots with someone who has a lot more power than she does. Or if it does go into the clinch, I think Lamos is going to ragdoll Watterson. Uh, this is going to be ugly. And I understand why Lemos is as big as a uh, big a favorite as she is because even if she makes a mistake, Waterson doesn't really have the skill set to make her pay for that mistake in a fight-ending way. Like she could make a few mistakes and still win this thing easily. I expect her to do so. Give me Lemos. Uh, Waterson is super game. Give me Lemos by second round uh, TKO on the ground.
1: Yeah, hopefully if she if. What is it loses? She doesn't get cut because I can see the PFL picking her up and just throwing her in there against Kayla Harrison next. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't even wish that into existence because then you'll have more. <laughs> might be
1: Kayla's toughest match. <laughs> I guess I can see it like I can use losing her speed and running around a little bit, you know, throwing some karate kicks out there. and <laughs> Those little Holly Holm push kicks.
0: Oh, let's go ahead.
1: No, I was going to say, that's that's how I should just break down um, Michelle Watterson right now, just comparing what she could do to (laughs) Kayla Harrison.
0: A little look behind the curtain for those of you watching. Uh, Keith and I are both on the Sherdog Rankings panel. We're two of the more active uh, participants. And right now, Kayla Harrison is on our women's top 15 pound for pound list. She's like 14th or 15th. And there's an argument there because she's reigning over a miserable division that basically isn't even a division it's a bunch of bantam weights that they sent to the buffet but she's looked so dominant in doing so that Yeah. yeah there's a case for both i'm one of the ones who's against it keith is for it but if Watterson goes over there, then she'll have the ammunition she needs. It's like, see, I mean, yeah, it was an atom weight, but it was a really good atom weight. And I don't need that shit.
1: Yeah. Former top 15, top 10 ranked, uh, strawweight. No, I'm, I'm on the Kayla Harrison because to me, she's the exception to the rule. That's it. Just you, usually you have to go by who you beat every once in a while. There's exceptions to the rule. And, uh, and I'm, I just, I'm a huge Kayla Harrison fan. Uh, even though she's fighting, she's going to fight Larissa Pacheco again. Um, uh, yeah, Michelle Watison. uh, Michelle Watterson, she's, she's an all the way out or all the way in fighter. She, she likes to use a lot of footwork, kind of keep her space. She has those like Holly Holmes sidekicks to keep her space. Uh, she likes to play the cat kind of cat and mouse game and, and, and have the, sorry, play the mouse and have the cat kind of chase her, uh, to kind of run into her own counter shots. Uh, then she'll suddenly crash the pocket and unload some shots she has some like kicking is the best part of her striking game she's got this great dexterity where she to throw some hook kicks oblique kicks but as you mentioned despite being very undersized she's good in the clinch i mean she has some success against yoni and Jacek in the clinch uh she beat up carolina kovacavich in the clinch uh felice Herrick she beat up in the clinch uh, it's kind of her area. She has some good judo, you know, she has a good judo background, so she has some good trips. She is like, we talk about uh, fighters going for the headlock, the head and arm throw, they like to say, but you know, wrestler just call it the headlock. She's like the queen of it. She's the one who always goes for the headlock. Good top control, though. Uh, and she gets the fight to the ground, good, good back takes. Uh, I mean, she had uh, a pretty prime, you wanted to young J checks back in their fight. Um, but she's she's also like incredibly tough, like you mentioned. Like I can tell that like, uh, you probably want to take an early first round stoppage. But be, based on Michelle tough toughness, seemed like you want to
0: st-
1: like uh, extend it out. That is
0: exactly what I was thinking.
1: But what worries me about her is that she's 36. She hasn't fought in years, and she I feel like she knows that she'll never be a champion. Like she had that run where it seemed like she was kind of right, going up the rankings, and she was talking about being like the mom champion and all this. Uh, that obviously uh, failed, and she's she's way behind. Uh, I wonder what her motivation is. Now, Amanda Lemos, yeah, she was overwhelmed by Jessica Andrade, Uh, but Jessica Andrade has done that since so many fighters. And if you go before that, she Lamos really looks like a fighter that's coming into her own. She's one of the best athletes in the division. Uh, she can fight at both stances. She's fast. she tends to she tends to throw her hands from her waist, which, is risky defensively, but on the flip side, it's it's hard to see it coming, uh, which is the advantage. She has one of the best jabs in the game. She uses her feints really well to set up her power shots. When there's an open, she explodes with shots, and that's because she kind of keeps her legs underneath her, keeping her position to, to really uh, gain some power. Really tight inside hooks. I'd say she's uh, one of the better, like more powerful hitters in, in the division. Beautiful kicks. Calf kicks are great. Her plum clinch is mean. I mean, she smashed up uh, Levana Souza inside the clinch, landed some nasty, nasty elbows. Uh, she can grapple. She also has like a judo background, nice throws, uh, good ground and pound, mean ground and pound. This, I'm with you, man. This looks like a passing of the torch fight. I'm all in on Lemos. watson is tricky. She's smart. Um, similar to what we talked about, Jack Shaw, she'll give herself the best opportunity to win, but Lamos is too fast, too explosive. Uh Watson can be take, uh, can be beaten. Uh I'm sorry. She can be taken down, she can get beat up. She's really tough. I actually I'm I kind of feel the same way like you are. Like I want to take a stoppage, but I'm gonna stand it out even more. And I'm not actually gonna say Lamos wins a decision, but I think it's gonna be a blow. I think like we're gonna get like ten, eight rounds. Like it, I think she's gonna batter michelle waterson for 15 minutes
0: that brings us to the main event of ufc on abc 3 a featherweight matchup between top contenders brian ortega and yair rodriguez ortega the 31 year old from torrance california is 15 and 2 with one no contest overall he's 7 and 2 with one no contest in the ufc uh coming off a loss in his last outing it was a Five round unanimous decision loss to Alexander Volkanovsky. He'll be facing Rodriguez. The 29 year old Mexican is 13 and three with one no contest overall. He's eight and two with one no contest since joining the UFC out of the first season of Tough Latin America. He did lose his last time out. It was a unanimous decision loss to Max Holloway in the headliner of UFC Fight Night 197. Last November, that was the fight that stamped Holloway's passport to the trilogy with Volkanovski. The two of them meet here, and honestly, the stakes could not be much higher. In a division with as many up-and-comers, with as many undefeated up-and-comers, there are like three guys knocking on the top 10 that are literally undefeated in their careers. With all those guys coming up, the winner of this fight is in the title picture, and the loser takes a huge step back. It's about as high a stakes as you can think of for, for a fight night. Odds are close, but Ortega is the slight to moderate favorite. He's out around minus 155, 160 most of your uh, outlets. Rodriguez about plus 130, plus 135 on the comeback. Keith, this is, like I said, it's it's about as good as you can get for a, a fight night main event, not only because it's high stakes, but because... This is probably going to be a pretty exciting fight. There aren't many bad Ortega or Rodriguez fights. Who do you see winning this one?
1: Yeah, it's it's really exciting, and the two of the more marketable guys in the division. I mean, you have Brian Ortega, who kind of UFC is trying to been working him. He kind of gathers the like American Hispanic market, mm-hmm. while obviously Rodriguez has that uh, the true Mexican market. Yeah. You know, born and raised in Mexico,
0: Ortega is the only American UFC fighter who has a Modelo sponsorship that is not a champ.
1: Yeah, there you
0: been.
1: go. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, I mean, he's a good-looking guy. He's fun, exciting. He has that Hispanic background. Um, yeah, I, I, he's extremely marketable. That said, being that both guys are marketable, I'm assuming the UFC would want Yair Rodriguez to win because oh, obviously his style, but also he hasn't fought the champion. Yes. And if they do the Josh Emmett fight, which is the fight they should do, if they do Josh Emmett, Josh Emmett gets hurt. I'm assuming the next phone call would be Yair Rodriguez. I'm obviously, if he beats Ortega, that's
0: yes. I'm, I'm 100% with you on on that. Whereas the opposite might not be true just because Ortega fought Volkanovsky so recently.
1: Now you're probably going down to, I don't know, Arnold Allen. I mean, I don't, I don't know what would be next.
0: Well, I mean, then you get down to those undefeated guys. Like, does Allen or evloev get the call as just the undefeated phenom? It's yeah. You know, I mean, would would it be weirder than John Jones getting the short notice call to fight Shogun, where you're like, yeah, we all can tell he's probably going to be a champ sometime, but is now too soon? Yeah, yeah, who knows? no,
1: that's a good point. Yeah. So uh, as far as this fight, you mentioned uh, one thing we've you said a couple times, like, oh, this is fight of the night. This fight of the night. It might be hard to beat the main event because you know, one obviously, the higher up the card, the chances you are. But, um, the things these guys can do, uh, is just so exciting. Brian Ortega is, is a guy that we already sort of fight for the title, but he was, well, I mean, I guess you could say Max Holloway in the, in the second fight against Volkanowski, but I'm saying like he was pretty close to catching Volkanowski, and that's that's what he is now. He's he's a large, like, he's a big featherweight he's well-rounded he which was not really the case for brian ortega that long ago what's up uh, for a while he was like a top five ranked fighter that i was like yeah he's fundamental he's kind of weak on the feet that's not the case anymore i mean he he can fight out both stances he works behind a, a really good jab i mean go back to the koreans Zombie fight he won that fight with just that single punch just jabbing him to death um he he wasn't following up with combos which was a little bit of an issue for me uh, but when he lets his hands flow, I mean, he's a, he's a good boxer. I mean, he rips the body. Uh, he has some really hard kicks. He throws kicks. Uh, he's, he throws a lot of kicks to the body, to the legs, and that's because he doesn't care if you catch a kick because he wants the grapple, especially if you catch a kick. That's sometimes where you can kind of catch a guillotine or something in there uh, as you're trying to take him down. Uh, he he makes mistakes of like pillaring defense, which, which is why Alex Volkanovski uh, ripped him to the body. Uh, a lot. He ripped in the body in the clinch too, but ripped him the body in the feet. uh When he's in the clinch, i one thing he Brian Ortega does that I love, he'll get in the clinch and actually like reach over his opponent's head and like jump to a guillotine. And I, I said this before him. He's not a Damien Maya type grappler or a Ray where they take you down and slowly inch. He's a Charles Oliveira one. Like he just wants a scramble to happen. He catches you in the scramble, very opportunistic. Like you mentioned the. The I think about like the comeback win against uh Moikano or, or, or a couple other fights, but obviously the Volkanovski one he was he was so close to winning the title because that's all he needs, he can lose the entire fight and he only needs one second. Uh, and if he finds an opening, he sees on it, and very few people are gonna get out, only a guy like Alex Volk- Volkanovski get out. Uh, he he not a strong wrestler, he kind of reaches for takedowns. Uh, in fact, it's actually more likely that he would kind of shoot and then like pull guard underneath it, like, like a lot of guys like to do. Uh, that's Ortega's uh, background. But that was a lot before he was the striker that he is. Like he's much different strikers now. Uh, obviously, his striking becomes stronger, sets up his own takedowns. Now, Yahya Rodriguez, first of all, it's nice to see him being active because it has been like, we went through so much time of him not seeing him fight. So it's nice to see him kind of get in there a couple more times. Uh... <coughs> Sorry about that. Uh, he is one of the best athletes I've ever seen in the sport. I mean, he's so fun. He's so exciting. He's an outfighter that can um, really work his boxing from the outside. But his boxing's solid, but he's a kick-first guy. Like, his first weapon is kicks. Tons of kicks, deep kicks, hard kicks, uh, kicks to the body, oblique kicks. I was there when he fought Jeremy Stevens in in Boston. And I was there for the media day and all this stuff. And I was doing uh coverage for sure dog. And they did the open workouts. That was the same time. Dominic Reyes for Chris Weidman. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you right now, Yarier Rodriguez kicks pads just as hard as Dominic Reyes does. It's insane. Um, the sound that was, he was nailing. It was so, I, I'll never forget. It. it was so impressive to me. Um, Another thing he likes to do, he likes to – he's a lot of guys will throw kicks and then follow with – I mean, throw punches and follow with kicks. He does the opposite. He'll does he throw kicks and then follow with the punches. Uh, he lands more as they're trying to, to stop kicks. Uh, throw out the spinning attacks. He'll throw some aerial attacks, flying knees. Obviously, we talked about uh, Brian Ortega only need a second. You always have to kind of like always be wary of the things he can do in grappling. That's how it was Rodriguez with the striking. Like he'll throw something out and then spinning back elbow – uh, obviously, the elbow he landed on, uh, the Korean zombie, that's him. Like He's creative. You never know. You, you always have to be aware of all of his limbs because he can land something and put your lights out. Uh, he used to be a weak defensive wrestler, but we saw a little bit of improvement in, in going back to that Jeremy Stevens from where Stevens was trying to wrestle him, and he kind of struggled to get Rodriguez down. The other thing we used to say about him is that he struggled to go 25 minutes, and that's not the case anymore. Uh, he's going hard he's showing they can go deep in the fights. I mean, the Max Holloway fight, like yeah, he slowed down, but he was going hard in that fight uh, and, and did pretty well. Uh, I shouldn't say pretty well, but he had moments. Uh, this fight is amazing. If it remains on the feet, we could be on for, we could be in for like a really good fight, a real treat. However, the gap in grappling is so large for me to ignore. I <sighs> I don't see Ortega just rushing in, trying to shoot a takedown, close the distance. Like I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're going to have some really fun back-and-forth exchanges on the feet. Uh, But eventually, I think there's going to be a moment in grappling where it just happens when these guys are throwing stuff out. Yeah, yeah, Rodriguez throws a spinning back elbow, and halfway through, Ortega jumps on his back or, or something. And we get a brief moment of grappling. And I think that's all it's going to take for Ortega. I think Ortega's going to secure a submission. Uh, I can see him like jumping on a guillotine or something like that. I say Ortega wins by second round submission.
0: Fantastic. I-, I love your assessment of Ortega's, his skills, like his core skills, and then the way his other skills have developed uh, over his time in the UFC. Like, yeah, he was, he was a one-dimensional grappling hey, can specialist. I send you sure.
1: Alex Volkanovski beat the shit out of Brian Ortega. Yep, but would it have shocked you if Brian Ortega won the title? No, no, me neither. No, sorry,
0: no, no. That's actually what I'm what I'm getting around to here. Uh, You know, obviously, for a long time he he came across as a one dimensional submission specialist, like not even a grappling specialist, but specifically a submission specialist. Uh, Yeah, that's a good point. And you mentioned that, you know, it's the kind of Charles Oliver thing. You can tell that he is a disciple of Hannah and here and Gracie. Like the first I ever became aware of Brian Ortega, like if he was even in the UFC yet, he was within his first two or three fights is he would show up on those Gracie breakdown videos on, on YouTube, you know, with the brothers. Uh, and I'm sure they just brought him on cause he was undefeated and good looking. And like, they have a funny rapport, but yeah, he, he's got that kind of uh, unorthodox flowy opportunistic uh, type submission attack. My favorite stat, you know, to quote about Ortega, he won his first seven fights in the UFC. Like, obviously, one was overturned to a no contest, but he whooped that ass. But he won his first uh, won his first seven fights in the UFC, so made it all the way to a title shot, you know, against Max Holloway without winning a single round. He did not win a single round in any of his first seven fights in the That's UFC. Insane. Made it That's all the way to a title insane. shot. And against Holloway, he might have won one round. He he legit won a decision against Chan Sung Jung. That's the first time he ever obviously more won more than two rounds in a fight. So the one thing that has not changed about Ortega, even as he's filled out his his skill set, he's not a round winner. It Of course I wasn't shocked that he almost tapped out Volkanovsky. Something was going to happen. Just the question would be, when that one moment comes, is it enough for him to spring the upset? Because he wasn't going to win on the scorecards. He, you know... He just he has a striking style that is dangerous, but doesn't lend itself to outvoluming people. Well, especially not what you get up to the Max Holloway's and Alexander Volkanovski's and Yair Rodriguez's of the world. Uh, and then he is an incredibly opportunistic grappler, but it's all a matter of things getting to the ground the way he wants or needs it, which is why, you know, he's willing to jump to a guillotine or like kind of blow a takedown and pull guard. I could see Rodriguez just winning a decision if that moment never comes for Ortega. Like, if that moment doesn't come for Ortega, Rodriguez probably wins four out of five rounds in a super fun fight. But like you said, the discrepancy, the disparity in skill is so great on the ground that I, it, it'll only take once. You know, if Alexander Volkanovski were not as tough as he is, as smart as he is, and have as thick a neck as he does, you know, <laughs> None of which Rodriguez has, you know, did Brian Ortega'd be your champ right now. So for me, it's just a matter of, of what round. The moment's gonna come, and I think when it comes, it's gonna be enough. And Ortega probably gets a, a submission. Call it round three for me. And he might be it might be the classic Ortega fight where he is down two rounds to none and he's losing the third when boom. You know, he sees the right moment, he jumps a guillotine, wraps up guard and you know, Rodriguez, they both crashed to the ground. Rodriguez is tapping out a, a few seconds later. Give me Brian Ortega by, fr- by third round submission. Uh, and yeah, the U- UFC will have a new problem. That's it for the sure Dog Radio Network preview for UFC on ABC3, Ortega versus Rodriguez. I've been your host, Ben Duffy of sure Dog. He has been Keith the executive producer of the sure Dog radio network. If this is your first time listening to us, first of all, thank you. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. We hope you got something out of it. Uh, please do like subscribe, make a comment. Keith and I will both respond. You know, we love going back and forth with you in the comment section, but most importantly of all, join us on the recap. And I can finally say us because for the first time in three weeks, it should actually be both of us on the recap show together. No. Are you out that one as well? Awesome. Then.
1: We'll talk later. I was thinking about this weekend. Sorry.
0: Okay. Then I think we'll both be there. Uh, But regardless, one of us will be running the show. It's live on the Sherdog YouTube page, usually about 10 or 15 minutes after the main event, where we will break down all these fights in reverse order of how we previewed them, just going from the top to the bottom, talking about what was good, what was bad, what was controversial. There is always something. And most importantly, the live chat is uh, wide open Uh, our listeners are there. We hope you join them. There's a lot of good back and forth as we take your questions, your comments, your hot takes. Uh, Between now and then, thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week, and of course, enjoy the fights.